Hey, Gravity Lift fam, we have a big favor to ask of you. Please head over to iTunes, look up the Gravity Lift podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. Five stars would be awesome if you are a fan of the podcast. And if you are looking for other ways to support, we have a Patreon page, which is a simple way for you to contribute to the creation of all things Gravity Lift. In exchange, you'll receive some fun perks as well as our humble gratitude. And it's really just a way for us to continue creating new and informative content. If you'd like to learn more, head to patreon.com slash gravity underscore lift. Uh, is this thing on? Can you hear me? Welcome to the Gravity Lift Podcast, a mostly entertaining and at times informative place where we get to chat about all the things we love. Music and festival life, yoga and wellness, travel and adventure. We are your hosts, Jordan and Antonella. So if you did a DJ collaboration with Andrew, a.k.a. Fosif, I think that your DJ collab name would be Fogoff. Right? Fogoff. Like, but you have to do it with like that Fogoff, like the Italian, uh, the Italian like, way. Hands, yeah. Interesting. Mm, what would you pick? I don't know. Forden. <laughs> what? <laughs> P-H? P-H-O-R-D-A-N. Hmm, interesting. I like Fogoff better. But. <laughs> <laughs> so is this ever going to happen? Are you guys ever going to collab? You're getting close. I don't know. be homies. Yeah, I'm down. Okay. We yeah. should make it happen. We've uh, we've started to hang out a bit more, which is quite nice. I'm yeah. a big fan of the dude. And that was after we recorded this podcast. Maybe the podcast brought you guys together. Yeah, yeah. it was. The podcast was. It was a long time coming. Mm-hmm. We had been talking for quite a while about oh, trying right. to sort out we a time. We had to reschedule a few times. Yeah, thought about that. Yeah, it was kind of one of those uh, ones that we were like, oh, it'll happen when it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not let's not force this one. And then it ended up working out perfectly with. A field trip thing, which allowed me to um, kind of work with him on a, a deeper level. And now that him and I are both kind of working with the the field trip crew, we've had a chance to kind of bounce ideas off each other. And this podcast was starting ground for some. Okay, of that. well, keep keep working on that name because you've you've played with him in Friend Zone collab, and then now you guys work together on field trip. But I, I do think there's a B to B coming, and we have there, to start there, thinking about a name. There's some other uh, big things <laughs> in the works that we can't quite talk about yet. But Andrew and I are going to be seeing a lot of each other mm-hmm. over these next few. Well, I had a great time so. chatting with him. I mean, he's just a sparkly human, and. It was it was nice to hear a little bit about his backstory and just the other things he was into before he came to this area from Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, that was a spoiler. Uh-oh. Spoiler Uh-oh. alert. Listen on for more juicy facts on Andrew Hansen. <laughs> Can you tell me more? I want to hear about this radio experience you have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in Tucson where I grew up, I uh, had the great experience through uh, – a mentor of mine, Corbin Dooley, to work on KXCI, which is like the local radio station, um, similar to uh, KEXP up mm-hmm. here. A um, little bit different scale, but still, it's really cool to get that mic experience and to like talk on the air and mix to no one because you're just kind of there in the studio. It was really interesting. Um, but yeah, it was kind of cool information to like listen back on and uh, 
critique yourself on. Yeah, for sure. See how weird your voice actually sounds. I always wanted to be on the radio. I I was only ever on as a call-in winner. (laughs) What'd you you win? (laughs) My first ever thing that I won, and this is going to really date me, was a heart album. Do you know who heart is? No. Oh, I will send you a heart, (laughs) a heart classic, but it wasn't, it was a vinyl. So it would have been like early 80s, maybe mid 80s. Okay. I I wasn't around yet. Yeah. You guys probably weren't alive. (laughs) I was so excited. You had to be the 10th caller. That's tight. And I called in and I won. That sounds like. And I heard myself in the kitchen on the radio being excited that I won. And I was like, fuck that i have no way to record this because i wasn't really yeah she didn't have a cell phone then (laughs) and she could just record it yeah back then i remember ah on that topic i remember like back in the day before even mp3 players when you'd hear a song you wanted to hear on the radio and like running over to your cassette player and hitting record really quick yeah so you'd miss the first 15 (laughs) seconds no matter what but then you'd you'd get like the song just chop right in and you'd go back and listen to it i did at least yeah that was good times. <laughs> yeah, every once in a while there was a good DJ that would let you know what the next songs were coming up so then you could be nice. ready. Run but, up to it, yeah. yeah. I don't know if anybody really did that. Mm. Does anyone listen to the radio anymore? I guess KXP. Yeah, people do. People listen to the radio. Yeah. Radio's just like the easiest option. Mm-hmm. If you're in your car and either you don't have it's a there Bluetooth already. or like aux or something, or even if you do and you're just like, I'm too lazy to try to figure out what to play right now, yeah. Every once in a while when I get it's in your the car, option. the radio's on, and I'm like, oh, interesting. He was this is still a thing. <laughs> I listen to yeah. the radio quite often when yeah. I'm in the car, just because I'm lazy. Like, I don't yeah. I don't want to have to pick. As DJs, you know what that's like when, like, you I have mean, to pick music all the time. It's like having to pick your favorite restaurant. You're like, there's too many of them. Just, yeah. like, choose one for me, radio. Yeah. Thanks, well, radio. and when it's your job, it kind of loses its luster. So whenever right. we're in the car with other people, they're always like, oh, oh, Show do you something. mind if I play this song? And we're like, oh, please weird. do like play us something that we've probably never heard. And we'll be excited about that. Yeah. It doesn't have to fit our genre of choice. Like just play something. That's the other part, too, is feeling like pressured like oh, i gotta play the really cool stuff if i'm gonna plug my phone in <laughs> true <laughs> always do <laughs> yeah oh, then you can't find it. it like on friday when you ask me if i have a usb and i'm like well shit yeah i have a bunch of old stuff but i haven't updated it like what do i play yeah that's just all in your head though and it that's is. like all the whole time it is uh it's all good stuff though yeah so um we have one question that we've kind of started uh rather than asking about it beforehand we get responses on air uh okay and so our question is do you have a safe word and it doesn't have to be anything uh sexual if your brain goes there it's more the idea of that's exactly where it went <laughs> yeah for sure <laughs> as it, it, i think it, it should, should yeah. right you can use the same safe word if yeah. you already have one that's sexual. the the purpose behind it is if we kind of delve into any topics that you're like i don't know if i really want to divulge any information to that that allows us to give you a spot where you can just be like avocados <laughs> all right cool we just won't talk about that i mean like i don't really i can't say i've had a, a safe safe word in my vocabulary but um i'm i feel like i'm pretty pretty good at voicing how i feel about certain topics i don't know if do you want me to have a safe word uh, yeah i want you i want you to just make one <laughs> i'm up. putting just together on a the list fly. Of bacon ever. bits oh, bacon yes. bits got nice. it that one's news and i love it a lot of people tend to go with pineapple that was mine I feel like one word. No, bacon yeah, bits. Bacon Dude, bits. Dude, I really appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> bacon bits. 
And it was plural. It's a <laughs> yeah. plural. Yeah. Thing. It's a very specific item that's mm-hmm. it's a brand. It's for sure a brand. <laughs> well, I'm I being noticed paid when you right said now. you said avocados, you pluralized your example, uh-huh. which and that made my brain go, Oh, no one's ever done a plural in here and then you pulled out a mm. bacon bit plural. There you go. Interesting. You guys are on similar wavelength. Yeah. Bacon bit wavelength. It's because we just spent the two last two hours together. Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> We're now synced up. We're great. Yeah, <laughs> little tacos, a little talking shop. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Arizona being. Well, I don't know if I actually got that recorded, but you mentioned being. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think so. Doing some radio stuff. Yeah. Uh, for like six months back in Arizona. Yes. Um, so were you born and raised in Arizona? One hundred percent born and raised there. Yep. Um, which was a wild experience, especially living up here now and then going back and seeing how much of a different climate it is and landscape. Um, just like here, it feels so alive with like plants and like rain and trees. <laughs> you go there and there's dirt and like snakes Rocks. and all these things. I, so many things trying to kill you, man. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. But I still appreciate each, you know, each side and that perspective to you know, see it in that light of like, I grew up there and I had a great, great life there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a whole different place, but I loved it. Um, learned a lot, definitely learned a lot. Um, I would say that the music scene with what I'm trying to do up here is definitely more in line when it comes to like being, uh, you know, having work and having support. Um, but I think that can maybe go into any smaller city too, where, you know, Phoenix was a little bit more, more in line with it but um yeah what part of arizona did you grow up in tucson so yeah two two hours south of phoenix which is like i guess the hub the main city Mm um but yeah lots of good experiences um interesting to think about this too because up here there's so many like um middle schools and high schools that are so close to you know city things like oh you can go to a restaurant us it was like you can't like you leave school and you can't my my most exciting thing as a kid was like biking to Circle K to like oh. get a like a Slurpee, which was uh you know that's that was exciting. That's super exciting. It's cool to like have that be an exciting thing. Would your tires melt on the way there? Or what? No, we went really early in the morning. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say no exercise in the heat of the day. No, honestly, yeah. that's the other thing too. Is I went back there and like. It's it's a convection oven. That's mm-hmm. the only way I could describe it. Is like there might be a breeze, but it's not a good breeze. It's a very bad, like super hot flame breeze in your face, <laughs> and it upsets you. Yeah, and I, <laughs> I think a lot of people are upset. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't be living there. <laughs> How was school? Were you into school? Were you into music oh. that early on? Were you a gamer? We seem to get a lot of gamers in Word, here, even yeah. if they're not DJs. Um, yeah, I definitely gamed. Um, it definitely was like Call of Duty. Uh, one of my favorites was Need for Speed Underground. That was so good. Um, but yeah, as, as time went on and I, oh, actually this would be a good, good segue too, is I, um, started in like metal bands. So I played guitar. Um, so that's kind of how I got more into the music thing is, you know, my dad, he, he listened to like Sade and all this stuff in the house all the time. So like, I think ingrained into my mind a little bit. Um, but then as time went on, I just kind of moved towards the more like aggressive metal kind of like Lamb of God, Shadows Fall, that kind of stuff. Um, and then it segued into weirdly enough through someone named Big Chocolate who did this like super, I mean, so that was his, uh, electronic alias, but he was in, uh, a group called, 
I think it was Disfiguring the Goddess, which is like this very aggressive metal band. But then he started DJing hmm. and I start seeing it through that way. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. And he was like playing Bloody Beat Roots, you know, Warp 1.9 and that kind of whoop, stuff. Whoop. Yeah, dude, <laughs> Steve Aoki, all that old stuff. And like, I thought that was so cool. And at the time, like I was, you know, in between bands and I was like, oh, wait, produ- like production is a thing you can he'd produce even metal music all on his own on the computer and that like really sparked an interest so i kind of at that point started this whole path of producer dj thing and um doing it hand in hand like trying literally starting with like virtual dj Hmm. so i just go and click and like do the faders and like see what everything is and then eventually got to where i was like hey i definitely need like tactical feedback like to do stuff with my hands to to really get it um but yeah it was moving on from there it it made me feel a little bit more free but also at the same time like there's so many choices with production and and it's like especially starting out that's one of the hardest things of like when is my track done this doesn't sound good how do I make it sound good and then just like continually doing that same um loop until you start understanding things a little bit more and you Mm -hmm. learn through each project something new uh, until you start to like actually enjoy it which took me like a year when did you start down that path how old were you um so I was still in high school so like 18 19 18 yeah um so it's been a while of just like tugging away at it and just like continuing on um and basically just taught myself through like youtube tutorials and then just like making bad music until it was not as bad, you know? Have the choices become easier? And is that a general issue with you in life? Are you paralyzed by an extreme amount of choices? Oh, you know, I I really appreciate choices now. Um, it's one of those things like you, you might think at first like, damn, I have to choose between all these different things or like even like going out where to eat. Like, you know, I brought that up. Like just having the ability to choose things is something I think everyone takes for granted for Mm -hmm. um, a lot of life and they might never have the perspective of like hey that might not always be the case Um, but it's it's really good to understand like that that's that's something you should be grateful for Mm -hmm. Um, but on the music end uh, it was definitely one of those things that as as I went further on with music production it became more apparent of what kind of choices made more sense. So it kind of helped me limit my mind to not freak out with like, oh, you could literally make any sound <laughs> and put it in here. Or it might never be done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, it's it's this in-between way of like, you know, finding a formula for the way it works and then not being boring about it. Because that was one of the things too, of like, you know, if anyone's used Ableton or, you know, a VST or no, uh, a DAW like that, where it's like, it's like blocks and you're just moving blocks around and it can kind of get, um, could feel just boring because, you know, you're just doing these math problems of like, okay, I need the drop to be here and that means I need this to be here. It doesn't feel authentic. Mm -hmm. So I think um, it did get to a point where I started feeling more comfortable starting songs and finding out my personal preference of um, how I would work through something. And that kind of would even start with just like having a, a, actual groove to something not just like all right kick snare whatever because that like when you just listen to it, you're like this sounds boring like mm-hmm. i need some flavor to it so i definitely will like 
try to have some of that flair at the beginning and then get some genuine, um, you know, creation going right away. Because I feel like if you if you focus too much on the details right away, you don't you lose some of that creative juice that's like flowing through you that you can't just, you know, have happen at all times. So as, as you've gotten more confident, have you completely let go of your initial formulas, we'll call it, or have they just become... I mean, I can equate it to how we teach yoga is like we, you know, really early on as a teacher, you have sort of a skeleton of what a class might look like or uh, an offering. And then eventually, as you get more confident, you start to know like what pieces you can interplay with and some things you can take out entirely. And again, it's going to have a lot to do with your audience. But I'm curious, as you got more confidence, did you do you look back at those earlier days of formulas and you're like, oh, geez, that's not, you know, no resemblance of what you do now? Or is there still some key components that you go back to or you that you'd even be willing to share for people who are kind of struggling with just getting started? Right. No, I, I would definitely say um, through the whole process, it's it's made it a lot more refined where I, I tried a lot of things that didn't work and I know it didn't work. And again, this is like personal preference. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work the same way for everyone. It's just how it sparked my creative energy would... Um, again to kind of just start when this is how i've seen some other producers do it too is start with an eight or 16 bar loop and basically create the track in that loop make something really interesting fun don't think about spacing it out the effects or any of the you know really mixing like the heavy mixing part like you want things to sound level and good but um just making something that has the groove to it that you can then add you know chords keys to it so i'll usually start with um, you know, just a kick that I like. And then I'll go in and add a 808 drum kit and do some t- um, like tom tunings and like do some like offbeat, cool little, uh, you know, tom additions. And then that might make me inspired to do a key pattern. Um, and something that I learned through all of it too is not to be afraid to throw things away. Even if you spent, say, five day- for like five hours or six hours on it, don't let that be the reason why you keep it because you'll just like make yourself drowned because you might hang out on tr- onto a track that will never be good or it might never be its potential because you're holding on to one factor that isn't supposed to be there there's been so many songs that i've really enjoyed that i've made that weren't at all initially how it started it like was one thing and then i made this new loop on top of it and what I've done is kind of just muted a lot of channels and then I would go back and maybe unmute it and be like, oh, do I like this hmm. here or not? Um, instead of throwing it away or even just um, one thing in Ableton I really liked was instead of deleting a lot of phrases was just um, hitting uh, zero, which would then make it, um, I think it's like disabling it. So it's not gone, but it's you just don't hear it anymore. So a lot of that stuff of like just trying different avenues and see if something sparks Um, and then rolling with it if it does and then like sometimes I'll have maybe six different layers that aren't activated and I'll go through and maybe be like oh I actually like that and I'll go back and add it or you know just having that flexibility of not just being set in stone because that's really hard too I definitely got in my head a lot starting out of being like you know, maybe an hour into it and you're like, this sucks. I give up. I'm not going to do a good, like, I can never do this. Yeah. Um, And it's getting past that and understanding that it takes time and understanding of your own flavor, but also like they, they do have structure. And that's the thing too, is like, you have to listen to other 
other songs that are coming out, at least if you want, you know, other DJs to play your music. Because there's some where it's the intro might be a little bit weird or the phrasing is off where you can't mix it. And uh, I think it's just good to be, you know, just aware of all the different, you know, factors that go into it. Yeah, there's a lot to it (laughs) in terms of that. Yeah, I remember when Dave and I would try to get something unique and interesting and then we'd make some sort of really cool intro and then I was like, but wait, who the hell's ever going to play this? Like, how, yeah, how like, is anyone going to mix this? Right. That's it's, it's good to be aware of like, how can someone mix this? And having that mentality is essential, especially again, like if you want something, someone to mix it, because if it's, it could be cool. Um, if you have like an intro, tr- intro track and like it works out, but yeah, if, if you're, if you're just going to mix through it and I've actually made a couple songs like that, that, the intro doesn't make sense and then it goes through and then the rest of the song is good but like i'll literally start mixing it in and the fader's down and i'll just wait to bring it up yeah um so it's like you know it's personal preference but also like how are you going to use the song the practicality of it because it's easy i think to get sucked into the excitement of wanting to just create something and i and i totally believe in creating something that you love just for you but (laughs) if you want to take it that next step further you have to be practical and thinking like all right is this going to be something that people are going to be able to use or is it just going to they're going to hear the first 10 seconds and be like yeah that's not going to work yeah (laughs) do you find that you make music to play for the types of sets that you get or do you make music to be able to listen to something different from the type of sets that you normally play that's a good question i um i think some it depends i i definitely have had some where i've made a track specifically and one of them it was funny it was for um, one of rob's sets where he was playing for ho- on a halloween night and i was like i'm gonna make a halloween track so that was my you know, I had that thought ahead of time. So that was the focus. And I've noticed that actually helped in that period of time to have a focus on a theme, almost like, um, like the box of cats track, like that one was like a telephone theme. So I had like, you know, telephone sounds and like this and that to help with just the additional sounds that are in the song instead of just being like, Oh, let me make a cool synth sound that, you know, like, so, so those kind of things, um, they do help out. Um, but I've also had, other ones where it's it's more so just from my just what I'm feeling and that's what I think my most recent the five track EP on laser native was where it was me me making one song that song that felt really authentic to who I was and like I wasn't thinking about anyone else really it was more so what I enjoyed and and it wasn't like I enjoy it so you should enjoy it but I I hope you enjoy it more so Uh, and then just making more music that ties in with the same vibe um and yeah, I guess those weren't, um, they definitely weren't for anyone else or thinking about shows, but I have also made like a custom intro for a set and that was really fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, it depends. Nice. Um, are there any like big, uh, I guess goals that you're looking towards? Like, I know you were pretty stoked about having something on box of cats. Like, is there... Are there other things that are like stepping stones that you're like, this would be something really cool to get to or like festivals to play? And I just ask that because everyone has different styles. And so when you're talking about like, this song is not made for anyone else, it's just made for me. Or this song, you know, is made to play out to a group of people. Like, are there things that you really want to do that you're like, that would be super cool for where I'm at right now? 
Yes, there's actually something right now on my list of like, um, I would love to continue releasing songs in the way that a lot of people do too, like singles and EPs. But I definitely, I'm going to be working on like an album too that I would love to, even if it's not this at some point, even just having a vinyl release. I think that's so substantial and it's cool to like hold that as you know something that you've done. Um, not just burn it onto a CD, right? Or just <laughs> or just have it on Beatport and you download it and then forget about it two weeks later because it's yep. old. Yeah. So like that with having it be a a whole experience and a whole collection. And that's, and I, I think a lot of people are getting away from that now with how um, quickly people go through music and it's so OCD of, uh-huh. and I, I'm definitely uh, to blame for that too. Cause I love getting the newest music and playing that and, and me going out, I love hearing new music and stuff like that. But as for releases, I think the album era has kind of died out a little bit, especially with maybe this kind of music too, where it's more, focused on short-term than long-term, oh, this is like a lifetime record. Or if you listen to this front to back, it really has a story kind of thing. See, and that's what I grew up with. And what I love is the intention of an album that you are supposed to listen to the whole thing. You put it on and you play it all the way through. And it's definitely not common anymore. Mm -hmm. Everybody seems to want to jump from this to that. And I like mixes, don't get me wrong, but there's, I think there's a lot to say about people who can put together an album that you're not just picking through the song three or song six is my favorite. And you're just like, yeah, I'm down for the journey of it. Right. Yeah. I would love to listen to what you create. Yeah. And and honestly, what has kind of sparked that too, is I've found some albums recently that really did that to me. And uh, it really made me have this thought of, you know, music has time for, or it has a certain time in people's lives. Like it might not affect you the same way that it would if you hadn't gone through certain traumas or you weren't going through a certain, you know, issue and it didn't talk to you the same way that it, you know, might have or something like that where, you know, it you might find the perfect album at the perfect time in your life that it really resonates with you and you can listen to it. 12 different times in you know consecutively and again like if you if someone else were to listen to it they're like that's kind of cool but i don't i don't feel it but you're like what it speaks to me kind of thing (laughs) and that like even just having like that's where i'm at too i would love to have that experience for someone where they can listen to it and even if it's just you know a small percentage of people for them to really be touched by it mm-hmm. and and be affected by it and maybe even have it help them through something that's that's kind of my goal too are there any artists right now that tick those boxes for you um yeah i always i always base on how to pronounce this artist's name <laughs> uh did some of them get complicated yeah it's sevdaliza huh. is the name of it um and she is phenomenal it's this cross between classical bass her vocals that are so good and again it's just one of those perfect timing things where just it really i can feel it and it really just resonates with me and some of the transitions from like this classical sound to this like really like not trap but like low bass kind of like you're pissed off kind of thing like (laughs) that feeling too um that's definitely one of them and then uh oh dang what's the other one it's like HV, HVOB, I think, is that the name of the, yeah, HVOB is the artist, and there's the newest one, um, the newest album, Rocco, definitely made me feel more confident in this quest that I feel for this album with it being not just 
house or yeah. not just one specific sound, which is tight, like do your thing. But for this, it made me feel like, oh, I can like put some dark techno on there or like have Definitely. like, like an intro that's very airy, mm-hmm. um, an interlude, whatever. Um, which also ties into, I used to make some ambient music too under a different alias. Uh, so I've had some, you know, some experience in that too of like cinematic-esque. Nice. Uh, yeah, ambient have you, music. Have you talked to Brian Becker at all? Yeah. Yeah, yeah we had him on the podcast. Yeah, he's a really good dude. Yeah. I'm a fan. Super talented. Yeah. I'm interested in seeing a lot of that stuff. Didn't he? I think he just had a movie release or something. Yep. He did the soundtrack that's for doing it. doing well. I still yeah. want to hear it. It's called like Blackout or something. <laughs> yep. That's exactly what it's called. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout outs to Brian. I Brian. love how many talented people we get into this room. And it's so cool just to hear more about all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other things that you think helped drive this like your parents your family any other like side things in your life non-musical that you think kind of helped put you in the trajectory that you're on oh for sure i mean beyond even just personal struggles i think there's certain situations one that i can definitely call back on and it was an opportunity rob gave me with the open to close set that i played and that was four hours and i didn't tell anyone but like except maybe him and two other friends but the night before I was going through all my original music and I realized I have enough. Like, even if it's not a complete done song, it's still a work in progress that I can play out. And just having the goal the next day to be like, let's see if I can only play my own songs. For four hours? For four hours. Yeah. And I did. I had no idea yeah. you had that much. Yeah. And again, like some of it, like most of it is not released. It's like maybe not even a complete track, but mixed together, it totally worked. And it made me kind of gain confidence in this the artistic struggle that I'm sure so many people deal with of their identity of you know what is my sound I used to listen to drum and bass liquid drum and bass dubstep everything and tried making all that stuff so it's like well, what is my sound because I've made a like more aggressive bass house recently too and then this more melodic melodic tech house stuff so it's like you can get lost in what is my brand what is my sound i would look up to other artists and be like oh i'll never be famous because i'm not doing this formula or whatever and just having that four hours to play out all my music and have people i've never met enjoy it not knowing that i've made all that and it flowed well together really connected all the dots to be like it's all okay like Mm -hmm. just keep making music it's all still you it all flowed and i felt you could tell it was from the same person uh but Again, like just seeing it while you're in the moment, it's so hard to understand that the picture is so much bigger. But to go back and then play that all together, it was almost like sealing the, you know, the box on the I'm on my past music to be mm-hmm. like, I don't really like the stuff that I haven't released. I don't need to release those. I just needed to know that I'm okay. I'm in the right place. Like I'm I'm making music. That's the biggest part. Mm-hmm. So were your parents super supportive this whole way? Oh, always. Yeah. No, no way. Um, they were like, my dad brought me to a Slipknot concert <laughs> yes. in like fifth grade. Did you have long no. hair? Yes, I did. Oh, <laughs> see, I need pictures. I've only I don't know seen you with are. this like high and tight do. I want to see the yeah. long, the shaggy. No, full on metal in high school. Oh, yeah. Funny. No, they've been the most supportive, like s- seriously going out to metal shows and like just standing in the back when I'm just up there, you know whatever yeah <laughs> wailing away until now still 100 percent supportive do they come yeah. to your shows now so they live in arizona still so mm-hmm. no 
but they would whenever yeah. I lived in, in Arizona still. Yeah. And so you and I were talking before and you said you have a sister who's older. Is that your only sister? Yeah. I do have a younger brother though. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, he just got married. Shout out to him. Congrats. Congrats. He has a beautiful baby. Oh, nice. Yep. And are they all in Arizona? Yep. Yeah. Oh, my sister is actually in LA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You said she was Actress. doing some acting. Yes. Nice. Very proud of her. A lot of uh, good, good contact with her with artistic struggles that you know we go through and that you know age old uh you know am i making the right choice because there's no path there's no checklist of do all these things and then you get this prize or you get this (laughs) yeah scholarship you get this job like it's not like that at all so it's i think it's it's really hard and you have to be strong-willed to to especially to be denied so many times like with me, it's my my end is sending music to labels, mostly having them not listen to it at all or have them say no. But I think it's even harder to be like an actress to go out and literally be in front of these people and then not get called back. And then you're constantly yeah. doing that. So it's this. You're too skinny. You're too fat. Right, you're like, too young. You're too old. You're so many this, things you can't control. Yeah, it's too. All, and it's almost always aesthetic, which is pretty brutal. Right. On the that one's psyche. super hard. Um, but yeah, it's like getting this thick skin, but not becoming hard, which <laughs> not, is, yeah. it's hard to explain, but it's, you know, it's being able to accept that, that no, that time doesn't mean no forever. Well, and that it's not personal. Exactly. It's not personal. That too. You got to be professional about yeah. it and know that when you're then in the next step in the next level of your profession to then look down, not look down, but look at the people in the position that you were before you. And kind of just get that perspective to be like, dang, I really didn't, I didn't see it right away that it wasn't personal. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't against me. It was maybe something, some other factor or something else out of my control too. Exactly. So I believe we're all creative beings, but we, we tend to lose it as we age. And you and your sister both are thriving creatively. You didn't mention necessarily your brother, but do you think your parents did something to help facilitate that in you guys? Are you in general just a creative and open family or some families are, you know, pride themselves in being more analytical or more, uh, you know, book smart and, and so I'm curious how they ended up with two creatives. I think it was just how the universe was wanting it mm-hmm. and the way that they did their part was letting us do what we wanted to do and that was the biggest thing is my sister had straight A's through all school she had a scholarship she was going to go to college like two months later and then decided to go to this and she had been in you know acting and stuff but went to something in New York City and changed her mind like I want to be up here and my parents were like okay and accepted it instead of being like no you're going to school Mm -hmm. and same with me like they were always supportive you know, gave me great advice throughout the whole thing. Um, but at the end of the day, it was just that support with what we wanted to do. And it was then just on us to keep doing it. How old were you when you left Arizona? Um, I was like not even two years ago. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, 25. I didn't realize that. For some reason, I had a feel. I thought you had been here much longer. No. You just came in big. You're like, I'm here. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too. It's like, it's so interesting because I'd been doing this type of thing for seven years before I moved up here. So I had experience. I just didn't have experience here. So it was kind of cool to come in and already know a lot of the things 
And then to be tested on like, all right, well, here's this opportunity. Do you know the things? And then to feel confident enough to, you know, not freak out and have to learn something really quick. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely did. It like felt like a very exponential growth kind of thing too, which was amazing. I love the support. Yeah. Cause you also do graphic design, you do photography, like you enjoy all things yeah. media based. I just love, I think with the graphic thing, it was Photoshop and then it happened with music, the same thing that happened Photoshop first, where I learned that in middle school and just the idea of like taking a picture of something, going in a program and you can manipulate it in any way you want. You can take something out, you can add something. Just that in my mind, like flipped a switch of like, wow, you can really create a lot and change reality in a way with that. And then with music, that kind of happened too, where I could, I would sample myself walking with sandals on and loop it. <laughs> and then that's an ambient, like little click sound that you didn't know what it came from or like sampling a shower and tuning it down and reversing it and stuff like that. So that you get this whole new sound bank from something else entirely. We want to sample the dog noises. He I've makes, sampled cat noises. He makes the craziest, <laughs> bassiest noises. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's where you can get some weird stuff. Yeah. Like, it's from the places you wouldn't expect it. Um, but, yeah, that definitely, it changed my uh, my reality with that is, like, just how you can perceive things and not control them, but more so just um, alter them in, in different ways and get um, completely different results was really cool. Nice. Do you still play with Photoshop on your own images that you use and post? Uh, yeah. Or is that more just Lightroom? Oh, no, I don't I don't really, I don't use Lightroom. I probably should, but I'm just <laughs> so familiar with Photoshop that I just use that mainly. Um, but yeah, I definitely love, I love taking pictures. I wouldn't say it was like something I'm professional at at all, but more so just, I really like perspective. Um, and then also just moving to Seattle it was such a good opportunity to, walk around everywhere and just, uh, you know, for, instead of being in a car and like just looking out the window, like to be able to see things at different angles and different times of day um, and even just times of year too, like especially when things bloom here, it's yeah. so different than where I grew up. So it's cool to have these really short like stints of time where you can get these amazing photos of certain trees that are blooming um, or, or flowers where... I think the, the alternative in Tucson was like the sunsets. Yeah. Where it was, True. There's some really good sunsets there. They're very, very good. But yeah. it's it's interesting because they can change so quickly. Like I'll go out and take some pictures and I go back inside. I'm like, that was great. And I look, I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. And you go back outside again. It's, <laughs> it's a, better. It's a whole different light, like uh, color scheme and everything. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've been to Arizona. Where did we go when we were in Arizona? We were in Phoenix. Yeah, we were in Phoenix nice it's pretty legit. we did some pretty epic photos oh shoot. i saw those yeah, that was up, really cool up on the sunset and it was the same kind of thing where it was definitely one of the most beautiful shots we've ever done and it's not that we can't get that here it's just more challenging i mean we were right outside of town barely had to drive climbed up this little thing and here's this amazing uh view and that you can it's harder to do that around here because of the hills because of the trees because right. of the landscape so um not that having a good sunset yoga photo shoot is really that important but it we <laughs> it, we were very grateful for it when we were there we're like oh this was totally. so easy we're here it takes a lot more planning and scheming to make that happen right but on the flip side of that too it's like there's 
there's certain places in Arizona that you could get to where there's, uh, you know, evergreen trees and lush mm-hmm. environments where it takes a lot longer there to get to it. Where here it's right outside <laughs> yeah. and you can get some cool forest shots. Like, yeah, it's in our yard. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool perspective back and forth. Yeah. Do you still play with sampling random noises? Yep. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and especially the stuff that I'm working on now, like very natural sounding uh things in Mm -hmm. there like definitely have a bunch of times i've just set my recorder outside when it's been like lightly raining and i'm you know in the city so there's like you know you can hear a train in the distance or like Mm. a plane flying overhead and then just using that as just uh kind of a base for for the music and i've had some songs like that too where it's literally just a street in amsterdam that i was had a recorder out and you hear a moped go by but it just like it's time to write with the music where it sounds kind of like what was that little riser or something yeah. weird and it's like nope that was just natural sound which um on the production aspect too it really helps fill in the uh the rest of the eq range that is kind of lacking um sometimes because that's the other part too is while you're learning is figuring out how to fill out the sound range and how to do it properly too uh and some of those are little tricks of just like putting in some ambient, you know, background noise of papers shuffling, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I still do that for sure. I've always liked that idea. There's some cool videos out there of people making entire songs just based off of sounds in right. the wild. That's super cool. I wouldn't say that's my my vibe. Yeah. But it's cool to see it's possible. That's like using Photoshop to just create an entirely new image. Right. It's one thing to like edit an image and like make it part of your medium that you're portraying it's another to like create something entirely from scratch yeah and that's a whole a whole different undertaking too yeah and if that's your thing do it but yeah there's some crazy talent out there yeah would you say that you found your quote-unquote sound that you had mentioned earlier or are you keeping it open to all the things because i mean that's my motto (laughs) yeah definitely all the things still but to an extent i feel i have found um my sound to an extent Mm -hmm. like I feel like right now I know my sound which I couldn't say I've really felt confident in before where I might make a cool song I'm like I really like this but then I can't make another one like that it doesn't come naturally but with what I'm making now I feel like it kind of touches on all the the things that I enjoyed about music I made in the past and kind of just put it all into the new flavor of music that I'm Mm, making nice well, do you think that maybe that's just an age and confidence thing? Because I know for myself, whatever I'm creating in the in the moment at this phase of my life is exactly my sound or my vibe or, you know, my brand. And, and it will definitely shift and evolve, but it's almost, I'm almost not aware of it while it's happening. And then I find myself in a new sound or a new brand or a new look and and then I'm only aware of it because I look back and I go oh I guess I guess I have shifted I guess I have changed so do you think that 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 will continue to evolve and you're just kind of going with the flow as as more of a confidence thing at this point I think it's a combination but I also think it's it's definitely this is the first time it's felt this way Mm -hmm. where other times I might have multiple projects like um, music projects going on that aren't similar mm-hmm. and before it would stress me out because I'm like oh I really want to finish this like bass house kind of thing and I also want to do this techno thing but like how am I gonna how, how am I gonna try to do both and like I'd think too much about it 
instead of having it be almost like a blend of it all Mm -hmm. and then not thinking too much about it, just like making the music and making each track the way I want it to. Um, Because I've had so many times where I would go back and and have a song connect to another song that was maybe three months old. It's Mm -hmm. not I'm thinking, let's release an EP and then making it off of that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, But I would say, yeah, this has definitely been the first time it's felt more concrete like I, I feel like I could go into starting a new track and feel confident on my sound nice yeah which is it's I felt really good and again I think it was after the four hour set thing of just really seeing like uh you know those all weren't m- mistakes those all weren't failures it was all just part of the process yeah so you mentioned Rob kind of got you that open yeah. to close gig so for those that don't know who you are, now that we're 45 minutes into the episode, <laughs> uh, you guys are friend zone. Yes, we are. Um, and obviously, both of you are more than the sum of friend zone. Um, but so I, we'll start with how do you know Rob? So I, I just know him from here. Uh, and it was just one of those things that I just happened to see on Facebook uh, when I was new to the scene. I was going to go to a show anyway at Q. And I saw just friend of a friend, I think. That's how he pop, like popped up and said, anyone need guest list? And I was like, I'm going to go anyway. So I asked. Um, and then I got it. So then I met him. And then just, uh, I think it was two times, met him. And then he, I sent him some music that I had made. And he was going to play it at Kremwerk. Uh, and then it, I think it was like his birthday. So I got to like meet him more. And, and then just kind of like hit it off. And then learned about each other. Like we both actually grew up in Arizona. Um, from the same place, which is really Crazy. weird. Yeah. We didn't know each other there. Um, so just like all these different, you know, things that kind of happened before uh, Friend Zone actually started. But it definitely was just an authentic, like, starting and then just realizing we have a lot in common and we like each other's uh, energy, too. Yeah. So I want you to delve a little more into Friend Zone because you guys essentially started doing a... Uh, weekly podcast, we'll call it, where you just live streamed you guys playing music, right? And that was kind of the creation of Friend Zone. Yeah, actually, the way it did start was, um, so me, Rob, and Evan were gonna do a back to back, or maybe it was even just them two. I can't remember exactly the detail, but um, I I was the only one that had CDJs, so I was like, yeah, come on over. They came over to practice, and Rob's like, hey, do you have a, you know, let's just put it on on uh, Facebook Live. So we just do that. Um, you know, one time people are kind of watching it. And then I think we did it a second time. And then people started hitting us up and we're like, hey, can I join? Like, can I can I go on or whatever? So it was one of those things where we're just like, is this a thing? Like, <laughs> so and that's basically how it started. Like, is this is this something? And then, you know, we're throwing around names. And then it's just one of those things of like, we're literally just hanging out, friends in this area zone of, of a place. And then, of course, like, we're we're funny people. So that was hilarious. Like, friend zone. Why would... Why would that be the name? It's too, too ironic and like it has this negative connotation. So well, we're gonna, I love that you've changed that. It doesn't right. have a negative connotation anymore, and it's it never should have. Honestly, when you think about it, it's right? Stupid. It is, but I mean, beyond that, like countless, like so much media. You can go and type in anything friend zone. That's like free advertising for mm-hmm. us because of my name. Um, but no, like so. What what when that started? We really just wanted to focus on what was what we liked about these people, not necessarily their accolades of DJing and how good they are, this and that. Um, 
their shows. Like, of course, we'll focus on that too. like mention it. But uh, we started doing things called biased bios. So it was our biased <laughs> bio of this person and what we enjoyed about them and things that maybe people don't tell them all the time, but they should. Well, uh, I have a tip for your upcoming guest. He was the longest podcast that we've ever had. <laughs> Anthony Samaha. Okay. I'm, excited. I'm super excited to have to listen to him on there. But also, I just think he's an amazing, loving person. But we, we just talked forever on here. Like, I don't know if anybody's even gotten halfway through yeah. that episode. But he's a great dude. He's fantastic. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. It'll be good. Yeah. And that, that was another thing, too, is like Rob wanted to introduce me because I was still new to some of the people in the scene. And it was kind of a, you know, two birds with one stone type of thing. of mm-hmm. like, let's let's really, uh, you know, give these people a chance to do something that's not just in the club scene, but still go and mix. And it's this different environment of us just hanging out, kicking it and not having this high pressure environment, but still getting experience we're teaching each other things we're watching each other mix and i've had plenty of times of just like learning from other people and teaching other people things about cdjs or the the mixer that they maybe didn't know and it was just like a certain uh you know how to look through the files faster the tag list those kind of things Mm -hmm. where it became almost like a like a fun teaching session too with some people where it was just uh you know a place where it was a, a zone of friends, mm-hmm. you know, you just felt comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I definitely appreciated that when I played, you guys gave me some little tidbits of information. And then even when I played with you guys at the uh, noise complaint show on Friday, you, what was that? The that Museum of Flight. This probably won't air for a few yeah. weeks. So giving some <laughs> context night. of time at Yuri's Night. Uh, yeah. yeah, you were like, yeah, you know how to do this, right? And I was like, yeah, I'm good. And then all of a sudden I was like, Wait, no, I have no idea how to do that. Wait, can you tell me? Yeah, it's like, that's one of those things too. Like there's plenty of YouTube videos of how to mix on CDJs, but it was literally just from me playing around with it and holding the the little button down and being like, oh, you can actually go through the tracks quick. You can like the tag list thing. There's a button for that. Like I didn't, I didn't look too far into it until I did. And then I was like, oh my God, there's so many uh, more useful things that made me feel comfortable with them and that was the biggest thing i think any artist needs to feel comfortable with their uh whatever they're using their canvas uh because then whenever that spark of creative energy comes through they can act on it right away like if i'm in the mix i don't want to have to stress about like oh is it an eight bar loop or six like i need to be able to know right away like oh let me catch this vocal click click and then get it and then work on through that instead of thinking too much about it. Cause once you're thinking about it, you're already losing those, you know, seconds. Well, and then, you know, you're practicing at least once a week, that which is super easy to fall out of practice and anything that you're trying to do. And then at this point we don't even have CDJs anymore, which I know that's like on, <laughs> high up on the list once we have finances in order. But I, I think it's really helpful to have that like carved out time that's part play, part socializing, part teaching, part learning, and exactly. just part just putting in your 10,000 hours of, I'm going to do this. And that's why I appreciated it so much, because it was, like you said, people just started hitting you up, being like, I don't have CDJs, can I yeah. come mess around? Mm-hmm. That's why it was helpful for me, too. It's like, I don't have CDJs I can just go play on. I mean, yeah. I've got a controller, and it's got its own set of things that I can understand, but it's way different than, you know, a Pioneer standard mixer right. and your CDJs. Yeah, it's not as applicable to when you're out in the club in real time and need to be on it. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I think even um, the other aspect, too, that I started to realize recently was that it it was really interesting to be comfortable mixing with so many different types of people, too. And I feel more comfortable if someone's like, hey, do you want a back to back? I'll say yes, because Mm -hmm. it's not like I, I feel like I can blend more than before. Like it's like being a DJ when you're playing an hour set, you're mixing to the crowd. You know, you're seeing how they're reacting to it and trying to, you know, manipulate what's going on to make a better, you know, reaction. But with this, when you're just in a bedroom and you're just, you know, you might throw an off track and then like see where it goes. Like Rob will do that. He'll <laughs> he'll play some <laughs> stuff. I'm like, what? <laughs> and then we'll we'll play with it. And it's cool. Like you'll just go off of that. And like we've done things too of just like doing like disco breaks where during a set it might be peak hour but we'll just throw in like this like really cool new disco kind of thing to really just break the vibe up and people love it and and it's cool to you know just have that experience of going back and forth through different sounds and not being stuck into one specific sound even if that's your thing you know do you prefer doing back-to-backs with people versus being up there solo like if you were doing a gig not just in your room um do you think you have a preference either way or does it just kind of depend on the occasion it definitely i'd say it definitely depends on the occasion there's there's been some times um where i've really enjoyed curating a set and playing it all the way out uh and then just having that on my own uh but then there's other times where like the for the Justin J show that Friendzone played, the energy was just so high up there because we had four decks, me and Rob on either side and our guest in between. <laughs> yeah. We literally were like mixing tracks before the next person was done. Like it was just high energy and just everyone was on the same wavelength where it just felt like fun. We were just having so much fun, just like grooving up there, not planning a thing. And everyone felt that you could just tell that it it transitioned into the crowd too that Mm -hmm. they could tell it's not just like we're just sitting up there okay it's my turn to play a track and you go up there and click one like yeah boring yeah very very active and it's not like it has to be fast mixing but just the energy i could feel it too like it was just exciting and again just fun yeah that crowd was hyped i closed that night out (laughs) yeah dude it was a good night good times yeah uh so speaking of specific shows so uh unfortunately like i said this podcast will not have come out before but uh (laughs) i'd like it to maybe his will be the first one that'll come out who knows okay well then maybe we'll have to keep this kind of a secret i was saying in the fact that we can just like release it but regardless we won't get into that quite yet we'll we'll toe the line you are uh playing the apog release party yes as friend zone yes Uh, are you excited for that oh man i'm so excited uh apog was definitely my highlight of last summer festival experience uh really was like the icing on the cake of all the other festivals that we had a part of uh just not only the crowd which was like felt literally like friends or friends of friends like i could leave my phone on the ground yeah for hours knowing (laughs) no one's just gonna jack it someone might be like yo whose phone is this like somebody help like but it was that the 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 organization just how professional they were every single aspect of it the sound system was this crazy custom function one like triangulated system in the woods all of it was mind-blowing and then just again the energy of that back-to-back set was so fun and it again moved on to the crowd of like feeling that energy um so yeah i'm super excited for 
for the fundraiser too. Uh, and then again, APOG too. Yeah, that's coming up soon. Oh yeah, that's uh, 26th of April. Yeah, we're at the 15th right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if anything, we had a lot of fun there. It was great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we killed it. <laughs> yeah, because I was going to take it back a little bit because we met at that Sam Felt show. Yep. Was that a year and a half oh, ago now? Crazy! It is so and crazy. So Frida I, played on that too. Yeah, she played first. Frida opened. You were after her, and then I had my first direct slot at Showbox, and I was Dude. super stoked on it. And uh, yeah, I had no idea who you were, and then I met you and was like, "Oh, you got a bunch of new productions." And so you had only been here like six months. Then. That was my second show in Seattle. Wow! Yeah, nice. Shout out to Darius for that. That was awesome, and that was also like one of the funnest sets I've played in that genre where it was like this deep house yeah. vocally, like the crowd was vibing too. That crowd and it was insane. And it was so fun. Like, cause, cause like I love what I do. I always do. But like just being able to have specific shows like that. And then like the magician, like playing stuff that I don't get to play often uh, was really special. And especially to have it be received well. Yeah. It was fun. And then just to meet you guys and like, uh, just crazy to look back on it, even though it was just like a year ago. Right. And well, then, uh, and we've talked to each other about how crazy it's been to watch you and Frida because that night I, we were like, who's opening? We didn't know either of your names and we were mm-hmm. like, huh, interesting. Like, this, this will be cool. <laughs> I, guess, I guess they uh, they must know them. Yeah, they, <laughs> there must be something good about these two. And just watching you guys over that next even maybe six months was just like, like, yeah. Yeah, because you guys started. Impressive. Did you guys start Friend Zone right after that? I would imagine then pretty um, soon after that. I can't remember the timeline of it all. Probably yeah. around that. Yeah, because then we had like kind of kept in touch, but not really. We saw each other out at shows and whatnot, and right. then you guys got on that uh, APOG party mm-hmm. uh, because you guys had been doing the Friend Zone, and yeah. so Evan took notice of that, um, and that's when you and I hung out a bit there, and I was like, hey. I want to come on friend zone. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was a great time. Yeah. And then, so now you guys are playing the APOG release party, um, which is sweet to have you guys kind of mixed in with all of that. Yeah. And what's, what I was actually thinking of, I think even just yesterday was how wild it is that we just started this thing literally in my bedroom and we're getting booked for these things. That's some of them are bigger than my own personal like bookings. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, it's so cool to see that this thing that we've created for everyone else is being received so well and it's and and people see what it is too. It's not just like, oh, they're, you know, they're this new collective that just do this sound or whatever. It's it's more the the actual idea behind like friend zone and being a good person. And I've even used that uh term and I'm like, dude, that's not friend zone. And they're like, <laughs> damn, you're right. <laughs> like, like just being accountable for just being a good person. Mm-hmm. So you brought up friend zone just now as being a collective. Uh, it started as you and Rob, correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing is it's it. it we are running this thing, but I don't feel like it's our thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's a it's a it's a whole group of everyone that has played it. Everyone here in Seattle that supports it. It's, uh, you know, because whenever we do an event, it's not just always going to be me and Rob. Mm -hmm. We're going to invite friends and we're going to make it this whole energy, this whole experience. Then, again, just being it like a duo name. You know what I mean? Yeah. So when people come and see Friend Zone, they don't know who to expect. 
they know you and or Rob is going to be there. And then you guys might bring whoever else along. Yeah. And they're going to have a good time. Like that's, that's what we're trying for. And the best part is it doesn't feel like trying. Like we're just going and literally just having fun and it, people feel that. And I feel like a lot of the, the nightclub scene can like get lost in the seriousness of certain things. And it's, it's not about not being professional. Like that's another thing that I love about friend zone is people will come to us that we ask to play and they're nervous and they're like, Oh, well I'm not ready. Like, Oh, um, I had all these playlists ready. And then, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, they're like, Oh wait, we're just mixing. We're just hanging out. And I'm like, yeah, (laughs) which is great. It makes me feel so good that people respect it in that way Mm -hmm. to take it that seriously. Cause I, cause that's all I want. Like I want people to do a good job and us to help each other do a good job and also have fun like that's the biggest part you can't you can't take it too seriously mm-hmm. were you nervous about coming on this podcast i mean for like a minute <laughs> <laughs> i feel like you were like six months ago no, and then uh, now you're like i'm good <laughs> yeah i mean that's the thing it's like time is so weird i think it was i think it was that but i was also just like i was i made excuses that's yeah. all it was i was just making excuses but I'm glad things worked out. And it was one of those like things that time I'm like, yep, totally. This is a great time in my life. Things that have happened recently. Like this is a good time to, to chat. Perfect. Yeah. Cause that's what, uh, a lot of people come to us in a very similar vein. Like you said, of coming to friend zone where they're like, what are you going to interview me on? What are yeah. we going to talk about? Can you send I'm me like, the questions? Right. I'm like, like no, how this works. you're going to sit down at a table and we're going to talk about life. Like we're going to talk about you and us and yeah. who we are as individuals. Um, so I feel you on that realm. I think, I think we can connect on this. A lot of people are thinking too much about the final product and what mm-hmm. people are, yeah. what they're seeing. So they're trying to say, or they're trying to play, not mess up because they're, they're, they're knowing other people are out there watching. And that's just like kind of what I learned through the radio too, where, you know, you don't have to keep talking. And that was one of those things of like, if you're saying an ad and you mess up or something or or you're trying to say something, you don't have to fill the void with just words. <laughs> and that was hard to understand at first. So like those kind of things of just being comfortable and same with mixing, like people might make a mistake. My biggest thing recently is how to get out of mistakes and not make it sound like one. And also don't make a face because they'll, <laughs> they'll see your face. I always make a he face. He does. And yeah, I see him like and I'm face. like, no, you're good. Yeah. Nobody's paying attention. Just but keep going. Exactly. If Especially if you don't make a face. They'll yeah. be like, I don't, was that? Uh, no, uh, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't act. The problem is he has like really tuned in ear for it so he when he hears a dj he like he immediately oh, for sure. i'm just way it. too but critical you just have yeah. to make sure they don't make the face yeah and, <laughs> yeah it's funny because i've seen people at shows recently where like the music just entirely stops and they're like oh shit yeah <laughs> and like at a at uh the noise complaint the, the after party for yuri's like noise you totally fucked up and mm-hmm. like stopped playing and then he just like played a track but he did it in a way that 90 percent of people wouldn't have any idea well, and, and just kind of hyped it off. them up more yeah so there you go that's well. the weird thing yeah. i feel sometimes like fucking up makes people be like all right you're human yeah exactly i think as long as you're not you don't beat yourself down because that's what i mean by making a face mm-hmm. too is like that's you know I there's <laughs> there was plenty of people dude that's normal and that was me before too of like after a set someone's like oh great set and you're like yeah but and then if you start with yeah but you're putting this person in a very awkward position 
You're putting them in a very awkward position because they're just trying to give you a compliment, dude. See? They're just trying to be like, yo, great set. You just say, thank you. I appreciate you for being here. Yeah. Even if you did fuck yes, up, even if you I think you did. Agree. I love you and I vibe with you so hard <laughs> with that because at a recent set of yours, I came up to you and I was like, that was a great set, man. And you were like, yeah, but. <laughs> dude, but it was because we're also DJs. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, I know. I, I feel yeah. Like I appreciate you, <laughs> but it wasn't even that. It wasn't. It wasn't that I fucked up a mix. It was more so like the yeah. gear was giving me issues yeah. that I was like I had to be a professional. So mm -hmm. it wasn't as fun for me as other yeah. sets that go seamlessly. So it was like figuring out why is this headphone mm -hmm. jack not working? Why is this? Why is this going in emergency loop? Why you know all those things that you have to deal with to make the mix yeah. still work. But like you said, the key is getting to the point where you're able to handle those issues and still have a good time with it and still. He's yeah, not making fun of you because he does it all the time. Too. <laughs> oh, no. Like, I take all no the offense. time. He'll even go find the people running the show and be like, so. Sorry. <laughs> this happened. And they're like, what? Yeah. I'm like, Shut up. You're good. Like, power through Which it. Which show was that? Oh, God. Oh. It was a Q show. Yeah. I think yeah. it was a different Justin J show. Yeah. 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 But that's, I mean, that's also one of those things and like it's it's so easy to just to be overcritical mm -hmm. and even in the moment like again that even happens on friend zone where people will be like oh man like really and it's like dude it's fine mm -hmm. like i also messed up earlier like it's we're hanging out it's it's okay like well, you know people might be watching but it's i okay. can equate it in teaching so part of why i will put myself in a high standard of teachers is not because i do everything perfectly i've definitely have fucked up here or there or forgotten a side or said the wrong word it's that my overall product is not messy it's not sloppy it is fine-tuned, it's fun, it's educational. There's times where something is a little bit off or I miss something and I get it and then I can rally from it. Mm -hmm. It's not that the whole thing is just a hot mess. So I think that's the difference is like if you yeah. can play with errors and learn how to get out of errors, that makes you even more skilled. If your whole set is a sloppy mess, no one wants to listen to that. Right. I feel like... And this is something else um, I did in Tucson was beyond the club DJing stuff was I also did some wedding DJing. Mm. And that is where I really learned all of my how to get out of issues stuff. Because there was literally everyone, there'd be something that happened. Like back in the day when it was the SL2 box and you had the Serato discs and it was not CDJ 2000s. You couldn't see anything. It was on your computer. Having one disc that was scratched. So and not knowing that until you're already playing the wedding and it only plays 30 seconds and freezes. <sighs> so just learning how to deal with that right away without making a face, without freaking out. And just every one of those experiences kind of layered on top of each other to make me feel more confident in my professional manner of being able to deal with those things. Mm -hmm. And you really can't know it just from reading a book or being like, Oh yeah, if the if the hotel that's Ritz Carlton doesn't have power, what should you do as a DJ? <laughs> like you just have to roll with it and figure it out and it's it's exciting but stressful. So it's it's cool to like, you know, get those things done and like start to know these checklists almost in your head of like, okay, this sounds weird. What are these eight different things that I know it might be and then work from there. Mm -hmm. uh, and again, that's it just takes experience. Yeah. Would you ever go back down the wedding DJ no. route? No. <laughs> I didn't even finish the sentence. No. I never got started. <laughs> I mean, He gets asked all the time and he's like, I just can't. I can't do it. It's, it's one of those things where if you look at it objectively, like one night you'll make X amount of money. You're like, that's dope. 
that's not what you're doing. You're mm-hmm. doing so much work before that. You're also, I mean, if you're doing it right, you're also partly a wedding planner by making sure you have all the right information. You have all the phonetic sound of the wedding party. You're working with the wedding planner to make sure it's all guided right, the music's right. Even if they give you the worst music suggestions, you spend hours and days making playlists and you start playing it and they're like, nah, play something else. You have to deal <laughs> with that, that too. So yeah. <laughs> and and again, like the more I got paid, the worse people I dealt with. Yeah. And it got to the point where I was paid pretty well dealing with really shitty people. And it was like, nah, I can't, I can't do this anymore. It's not worth my, it's taking away from my soul a little yeah. bit. Um, so it was one of those things of like, it's not worth it, Mm-mm. you know, no matter what amount of money. And uh, like, I've done a couple like corporate gigs recently and that's completely different. Cause it's like the boss paid for it all. It's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not this, all right, I'm the best man and I'm drunk and I get to break you because you know, they paid for whatever. Like, well, and with corporate, you don't really get many requests, right? It's more no. like you're hired to perform as you yeah. and that and you bring your style that's you know, keep kind or of certain, trying to encourage or a certain thing it was like i did a holiday party so i played mm-hmm. i asked what they needed and and that also helps to have like a big you know um like my mentor corbin gave me a huge two terabyte hard drive of like all wedding music so see that's that's the that's big huge. thing i don't have it's hard music. <laughs> dude i'm not, I'm not gonna the, go find it i'm not good with names and remembering like yeah same. specific things so it's like if someone came up and they're like hey do you have a well uh, woody nelson and this the, the <laughs> collar back boys like if they said that i'd be like yeah let me check i type it in i'm like oh that's a real thing and then i go and i'm like yeah i do have it but i wouldn't normally have that no. yeah. so it's it's definitely not for everyone um it's not for me anymore, <laughs> but it was a great experience. Like, no doubt about it. I would I would do it again if I had the chance at the beginning knowing what it would be just because of how each time I learned something completely different that I yeah. thought would never happen as a DJ. So now I'm literally ready for that shit to happen. But the worst thing I deal with is a Q button not working. And, and then it's great. I love hearing people complain about that stuff because like... All right. So like Wait, wasn't there a sky <laughs> yeah. high where you were you oh, Yeah, that's a that perfect up. example. <laughs> oh yeah, okay. That we was We walked in and we were like, nuts. what's he doing? Oh, check this out. Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> so that was at Sky High, which is uh if anyone doesn't know, it was at Smith Tower. So it was on the deck, so it was outside. And it was supposed to be a good day. It was not. <laughs> it ended up raining torrential. Like swear it was like someone was above the mixer pouring buckets down. I'm like holding Holy this tarp shit. up. It gets to the point where like we're like, I'm like, no, like cut it. Like we have to cut it. So I pull all the power, we run everything inside. Gears like soaked. We're like trying to get it to work. Everyone's kind of like, we don't know what to do, cause like, is the party over? <laughs> so we get well, we And get, it was early. We hadn't even it was gotten early. There yet. It was yeah. the second DJ. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe that. Maybe not. Like it was probably the first hour. <laughs> right. Uh so so we get like we get a speaker inside. Um or maybe two, just like normal smaller speakers, uh, like monitors. And then I see there's an auxiliary jack and I have tracked on my phone. And I've done this before where I've mixed on my phone just just for fun. But I'm like, they're going to they're going to leave because there's there's not a party right now because there's no music. And like, sure, you could put on like a mix or whatever. But this was to also just buy time to like, what are we going to do with the gear? So plug in, start mixing from my phone. <laughs> For like an hour. It was great. And then um, we get like a working mixer and another CDJ or something. I think that's what it was. Like one CDJ and a working mixer. Mm-hmm. And then so uh, Chick Iverson's on next. 
So we go back to back. I'm on my phone, oh my like God. plugged into the speaker, and he's mixing in through one CDJ and and the mixer. And that was so fun too. And this is like those are the experiences I actually really enjoy because it was so weird. And we got to work together in this way that was like, all right, all right now. Like so like really unique and it was difficult. Like we both it was difficult but fun and we nailed it. Like it actually was kind of dope, like how it turned out. But yeah, that was one of those experiences of just rolling with it on yeah. the fly and then having it just work out, which doesn't always happen, but you know, you got to try. Yeah. I love it. I remember I had a show recently where, yeah, the Q button wouldn't work. And I used something that you guys taught me at Friend Zone, just nice. like being able to like use a different area to like just start a loop and then you just have that loop going and then you would just like turn off the loop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, All right, cool. That or like, dude, straight up just like, hit play and then just mix it in with your hand you can always just jog it up like <laughs> yeah it's those things that um no it was the, i think it's the play button that wasn't working oh okay. yeah so i could like hit q and it would work but i couldn't hit the play <laughs> button and so i'm sitting there like really annoyed oh and, that's weird and I, I won't say any names but like it's the guy who's running it i like told him and i was like hey i can't i can't get this play button to play and he like walks up and presses play and it works and i was like what the fuck of course apparently you had to like really softly touch it in the upper uh, left corner and i was of like of, why didn't you know that jordan i don't know you didn't try the upper left corner i know damn but, you but luckily I, like you said i had some other technique that i was like oh all right i know how to bypass this yeah um and like saying that it it's one of those things like i feel like there's some things in school that really stuck with me um and what that was one of them like math the only, not like the only thing that stuck with me with math, but the thing that really, <laughs> really stood out was like, there's not only one way to go to an answer. And that's resonated in so many different aspects of my life of, you know, you can even production, you can do this thing so many different ways. You can do it and you can learn new ways too, to do the same effect, but might take way less time. And you're like, wow, I'm, I'm so glad I know this now. Well, that was what I was going to mention earlier when you first started talking about production and the way that you look at it and your patterns and I was like oh I bet you're a math kid like you just have that logical mind when you're looking at things and but what's awesome is you still have the creativity along with it it's easy to get lost in formulas or game plans or the statistics but it seems like you're able to interweave the two of them together which I think is hard to come by yeah they're like all here or all there and that that was one of those things too like I was somewhat mentioning of having where you're just staring at blocks moving mm-hmm. them around and it feels like you're just doing math and you're like i'm bored like <laughs> okay i can do this all day and it doesn't sound good i'm not creatively excited um so whenever i had i remember a stint where i was feeling that way and just like i felt like it couldn't make anything so i i had a, a micro korg at the time or yeah micro korg where just having something physical to play with and recorded that like analog style just to change it up and to feel more like I'm performing it mm-hmm. instead of just me clicking buttons and turning knobs with my with my keyboard. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. Well, and that probably resonates with your metal roots of being able to actually play an instrument. Yeah. And, and instead of pushing buttons. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I have a few questions. Yeah. Is that okay if I do this? Yeah, now? definitely. Okay. They're not my questions. They are... Perfect. 
Facebook questions. I love Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really? Facebook is my only, like, no. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about Facebook. So Big I'm just going to start from the top. <laughs> Him and I talked for the last two hours about Facebook before this. So yeah. And how much we love it. <laughs> it's our <laughs> favorite. It's Please. listening to me right now. So I'm going to go ahead and say <laughs> yes. that I love it while I shake my head. <laughs> Um, You're shaking it. Yes. <laughs> you love it. You love it. Alan O would like to know what your arm uh, routine is. And Kevin Schinkel uh, agreed and would like to know more specifically about your forearm routine. So arms and forearms, how do you get those guns? Excellent. I've I don't seen know them. I, I know what they're referring to. I don't know if I should make this a joke or be serious and give some actual advice. I want, I, honestly, I want the real advice. Both? See, I don't know. I mean, genetics. Yeah. Just, yeah. Maybe just go also go to the gym, you yeah. know, like that's it's one of those combination. You got to kind of do both. But yeah. I can't say like I do forearm workouts like it's part of a workout, but mm -hmm. it's not like that's my uh, objective. Um, but yeah, I guess I can't I'm not going to go through a whole like workout routine. <laughs> but like um, the main main things, I guess, is like uh, at least for like working out in general is like what I've learned through my dad, who is a bodybuilder, was push-pull. Oh. Mm -hmm. So having a lot of things like, say you're doing chest chest press, anything or uh, triceps, anything you're pushing away from your body mm -hmm. so that the next day those those muscles can uh, start repairing. And then you do pull stuff. So say biceps or anything pulling in um, to your chest, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I've noticed that's I've done that since high school. And that has just been a good kind of formula for me. So you only know the yoga side of me, but I've been a trainer for a really long time. And I love that you started with genetics because it's the one myth that people don't really realize. They think it's all about doing that perfect bicep workout, but it's like 60% genetics, mm -hmm. maybe 30% nutrition, and then 10% your actual working out. It's very little amount to do with your progress. So I like that you... You, you gave it to genetics because I think that's a huge aspect. Your body's going to do what it's going to do and you can lean it in the right directions. But like it is. And yeah. I think that's something too. people overthink. Maybe not everyone, but I think I'll notice a lot of people overthink diets or like very mass mm -hmm. generalized things. It's not going to it's not for everyone. Mm -hmm. We all are so different that you need to find what works for you. Like don't just follow on the next hip diet or fad thing for and think sure. that it's going to be the right thing. I think there's a combination of things that work for certain people and maybe it seems archaic or would make someone the opposite, but it works for you yeah. and it's supposed to work for you. We're both kind of big on the biohacking aspect and we're a perfect example of like our body types are very different, you know, not just the male female or the 12 year age gap. Like he's long and lean and I'm a lot more stocky and we can't eat the same way. Mm -hmm. So there is not a one fit diet. There's, you have to slow down, pay attention and fuel your body when it needs fuel. And when the fuel that you put in feels like it wasn't a good plan, you got to change it up. Like that's really the only advice I can give people. <laughs> yeah. The paying attention part is very, very crucial. Paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Like what you're doing and how it's affecting you, like to take time to step back sometimes is hard but well even while you're eating it i think it's a huge issue that people tend to eat while they're on their phones or watching something or reading something and so they're not really tuning into the food as it's going in and then they're busy and doing things and they're not processing like how it really made them feel in the next few hours after or the next day after and 
yeah. I think emotions can actually be really tied into that too. Mm-hmm. Where I've I've uh, known friends that were really into say organic eating and they were almost anal about it where they needed it to be a certain level to the point where they're stressing. Right. So they're stressing while they're eating this expensive food. So they're probably getting the same nutrition like level as if it was not that organic food because they're like have this, you know, the stress energy with them. For sure. And it can't help you. So it's like, it's again, that level too. So I want to break down a little bit of what you first said. So your dad's a bodybuilder. Yeah. Yeah. Was he like a competing level bodybuilder? Yeah, he did. um, So it wasn't like he did in town. Um, and he did tell me a fun story. He got to work out with Arnold Schwarzenegger one what? time. Uh, yeah, back in the day, he went to Gold's Gym. Uh, I think it was like... That's dope. Yeah, way, a way long time ago. But um, yeah, he, he got out of it. Uh, I don't know if it was exactly because of this. He got in a bad motorcycle accident. Mm. But actually, it he could have gotten a lot more hurt if he wasn't For a bodybuilder. Because sure. like a lot of the injury like was just on his muscles, which you know hurt like shit. But... <laughs> It didn't kill him. So um, anyway, yeah, I think I can't remember exactly why he stopped. Maybe it was meeting my mom. (laughs) But uh, anyway, yeah, so he did that. So it's a genetic thing, but also it was good to get his feedback of what he's done. Um, And, you know, I had weight training in high school, too, and buddies that we worked out together. But um, just... I think that's the other thing too with people working out, just learning the right routines and mm-hmm. like not doing something that will hurt your body. Cause you can watch someone do a shoulder shrug and move their, <laughs> move it too much. And it's like, dude, that's ripping your blade. Like you're not doing anything good for yourself. Yeah. So that's the other part too is like do it smart. That's even why if I have you have a hard to start time going slow. to the gym. Yeah. I'm always like, ah, oh, see, no. <laughs> I can't watch yeah, what other people you are have doing. You get blinders on. <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. Did you play any sports or was. Yeah. Yeah, how would you play? I played baseball growing okay. up. Yeah, so I played that from like T-ball to juniors where it's basically like the the professional size infield, uh-huh. um, but the outfield wasn't quite as big. Um, but yeah, I was like... How old was juniors? Um, I was in high school. No, right before high school. Yeah. So maybe like, I was like 15. I was young in that though. And everyone I was with was a little bit older. But that was super. It was really fun until it wasn't fun. Yeah, I played until <laughs> fresh. Was it freshman or sophomore year? I think it was freshman year of high school, and I played and just like meh. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, and I think it was also just the time where like me and my friends like had a lot of fun just dicking around, and like that's when like, we got into like music. Yeah, and we had a band, and like that was so fun. It's like genuine, just like kids having fun still. So, for yeah, sure, just got out of it. Uh, then the last piece from all that was genetics. Uh, do you know what your ancestry is? Have you done any of those like ancestry.com or 23andMe things? Dude, you know what? I think that's a scam. <laughs> I went and tried to do the ancestry thing. I had to fill in all my ancestry. It's like, tell us everything. Yeah, I tried and to I'm do like, that site years ago and I'm like, this is such a hoax. Yeah, that, that's they're just getting, than yeah. The, than the genetic ones. The genetic one does require you. I think that's some X-Files stuff. Yeah. Man, have you seen that episode with everyone's DNA? I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't think he's seen any X-Files. Oh, okay. I've seen X-Files. Have you? Yeah, yeah. I was, that was, was like long four seasons deep. I don't know, man. Um, that's good stuff. Anyway, it's... <laughs> Seeing all that stuff, I'm like, I'm good. I like, I'll hear from my parents. Like, um, it's so, like my fam, like I did the thing when I was younger in school. We did the family tree. Yeah, exactly. So I did my mother's side. So they're um, Massachusetts and then Canada 
and then France. So like French Canadian. Okay. That was totally gonna be my guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely have that French look about you. <laughs> that tree branch. Yeah, yeah. That twig look. Yeah. French twig. <laughs> French Canadian. <laughs> nice. And then what about your dad's side? Um, yeah, I didn't say it right away because I'm trying to remember. Um, so he's uh, so his family's from Minnesota, and then I I think it was like uh, Denmark, something like that. Mm. That's, I can't, that's more my heritage. I yeah. can't remember exactly. Interesting. That's, yeah, right. I, it's like one of those things. Like I feel bad not knowing, but yeah. like that's that's kind of, that's why I did my genetics. I had zero idea. Yeah, and so I got hurt for her because she was like, "I'm 100 percent Italian," and I was like, mm, "Let's check and see." <laughs> and she is. Oh, uh, oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as 100 percent as you can really be, there's it's like 94 percent some... or something like that. Yeah. but like the rest of it is just like the previous ancestors before Italy even existed. Yeah. So oh, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's before Italy was a <laughs> thing, where did they come exactly. from? Exactly. Yeah. The pre-Italy. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, like being, you mentioned like X-Files conspiracy theory. Oh, don't get me started. Uh, that's, that's why I'm trying to get you started. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, just to say though, anybody who gets into the X-Files, like that's just becomes a part of your persona. You become... Oh, I was, skeptical I was before, before Oh, you were X-Files. before? Oh, oh yeah. no. And then you found this show and you're like, yes, feed yeah, I mean, me. Like, feed I, me. <laughs> I knew of the X-Files and like, I I just never was called to like watch it until like I watched everything on Netflix. And then I was like, I guess I'll watch X-Files. And then like, <laughs> I've watched, finished Netflix. Yeah. So. I was like, they're like, you're all caught up. What do you want to do now? I'm like, I guess I'll watch X-Files. <laughs> so it's like, it was great to watch and like, I didn't finish it, but it was cool to like, see the story how it progressed and how mm. it wasn't just a new case every week there was also a backstory going on and you know conspiracies are tight and like i think a lot of those are more like generalized which is cool and i, I like to i like to see what you know is out there as a conspiracy but i definitely just use my own uh my own uh i don't know pool of thoughts to make decisions on what I believe and what I and not even just believe what is true or not true, but what if this is true kind of thing. Uh, and ju- then just having the open mind to be like, maybe like then maybe this, then maybe that, but I'm not like getting stuck and in, into this deep depression of nothing matters because I think this might be this overload, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> getting too deep into that is not good or like getting too deep into one aspect. I feel too, because mm-hmm. there's some people that are just like, yo, chemtrails are the worst. It's like, mm, that's one thing. If you want to th- talk about everything else, hit me up. But like, that's one thing. And again, it's like, what ifs, you know, no, no one really knows except some people know, but we are not going to know mm-hmm. certain things. And you have to accept that. I feel like you two need to smoke a bowl together sometime. And For just sure. I think dive that's episode two. Deep. <laughs> episode he loves two. to go on these. And <laughs> when I'm stoned, I'm like, let's snuggle and watch a movie. And he's like, let's talk about all of this. And I'm like, cutting what? up newspaper, like pacing yeah. on the wall. <laughs> like, what are you, where are we circle, going? Circle that head. <laughs> so I, I, I'm curious as to, as to some of them that you would care to indulge on. But instead of just asking you to pull something out of thin air, I'll bring up at least one uh what's your thoughts on bigfoot oh i think all that stuff is ridiculous (laughs) i think it's i think it's like it's one of those things where this is the way i feel about conspiracy theory that whole 
term. I think it's used to make people look dumb to question things because, you know, you might be like, hey, but what about this one actual topic that might, it seems very ridiculous that no one's asking about this. And they're like, you're a conspiracy theorist. You also believe in Bigfoot. And you're like, no, I, n- I never said that. I just, you know, I had a question about this thing. And they're like, you're a conspiracy. You know, they just box you into this one ideology instead of actually talking about the thing you wanted to talk about. And that's like that one. And there's some other ones where I'm like, that's not worth my time. So, so, <laughs> so that's, that's why this is interesting. So 100% never would have thought Bigfoot was real in any way. Uh, and then we went up to Mount Rainier and hung out with one of her friends whose husband was like ex Navy SEAL, ex Navy SEAL, like had special ops. Yeah, yeah. Like, is he going to find us if you tell us this right now? <laughs> <laughs> like this. Don't air this episode. <laughs> this dude's like hardcore. Like he's pretty off been the there. He's, yeah. he's like, he is on full government stipend living now. Like never has to worry about anything. And he lives up in Mount Rainier. Yeah. And he built this beautiful log cabin. Beautiful. He built this beautiful mother-in-law cabin that's like connected to the house. He's got like a whole like s- outdoor massage room sauna awesome Let's thing with back. an yeah. underground yeah. cellar yeah. that he like makes his own like he ferments his own vegetables and stuff down there. Like, the dude's the dude's got it made. I'm a, I'm a big fan. He's on it. Yeah. And he's 1000% sure that they exist. Well, and, and I mean, he's saying it's well, more than just a, one. Yeah, it's not like and one. he's like, it is a family of some sort of pre or different human hominid style creature. And we he's can like, talk about that. We can talk about yeah. that for sure. The the whole Bigfoot. Like one like, single Bigfoot no, for no. the last remaining. <laughs> I mean, talking about Rainier too, that's, I think it's creepy. Like there's, I think there's like, there's, there's underground situations going on of like, different there's more races than we know of Mm -hmm. and i think they're they're also here that we're we're not able to go actively go check and see or if we could they're probably marked off because we shouldn't know about them kind of thing because i think the whole the whole mentality that humans are on right now is that we we don't know what's out there except people do know what's out there we just don't want to be told so we still are in that like all right let's go to mars let's whatever else is next a dead planet let's go like that kind of stuff. And it's like, um, yeah, I, I do believe there's there's definitely other stuff, though, especially that in the deep, deep ocean, man. I'm afraid mm-hmm. of the ocean. Yeah. Like straight up, if if I were like, I'm not afraid to be on a boat, but like I am, you know, really like, not really, but not really. <laughs> but but if it's if it's gonna if it's going under, I'm scared. Yeah, I'm scared. Like it's like it's waiting in dark water that yeah, freaks me sure. out, not knowing Agreed. what's underneath Agreed. and like. Beyond that, tickles your foot. Oh, you're like my butt. No, like <laughs> get out of here. I'm gonna get out of here. Um, like I that. It. I hate it. And then think beyond that, like before, like even deeper, where there light, there's no light, mm-hmm. and things are alive. Those are all crazy things. Like that. So the noise complaint uh, at the Yuri's night. So that we got to see the lunar landing module, like Apollo 11 mission. Oh, yeah. Like no one's ever seen it, and I'm in there and. It's cool, and I'm like, this is definitely a crazy cool piece of history. And the piece that intrigued me the most out of all of it was the fact that Jeff Bezos funded a project in 2010 to go down 14,000 feet, which is deeper than the Titanic, to pull back up the, like, the rocket that came off of the Apollo 11. Yeah. So it was like... 
it was i think he probably went down there for something else (laughs) maybe but (laughs) but he still brought it up that was the consolation prize (laughs) probably they made that actually they just brought it down there to bring it back up (laughs) don't be fooled he has a lot of money, dude. This is also 2010. It's a cover story. This is nine years ago. He still had a fuck ton of money, but he wasn't trillions of but dollars money. That's how he made a trillion that's dollars, dude. Just because he made some crazy deals, There's man. There's a perfect example of a the water, Andrew the water people. Theory. Yeah, I love it. We're already the into it. People. Is this about me and ours about conspiracy? <laughs> <laughs> I'm down with either. <laughs> Oh, see, that's great. My my <laughs> point in the whole thing, which doesn't even matter now. <laughs> Does anything was, matter? It was more than I was... <laughs> I was more intrigued about the fact that somebody went 14,000 feet down to pick this up from the bottom of the ocean than I was with someone going to the moon. Yeah. Like, that just seems cooler to me that someone Way went cooler. deeper here than oh, shot so up to the moon. regardless of who did it. Yeah. Gotcha. It wasn't that Jeff Bezos did it. <laughs> no. I really don't give a shit what he did or where it was. It's just the fact that, like, somebody went so deep down where on this earth we're already on in a yeah. completely inaccessible zone of water. Like, uh, to me, and that that's, sounds crazy. And that's space. just the ocean. Mm-hmm. There's still crust below that. And there's that's the thing, too, is, like, if there's life down there, there's life that can handle pressure. And, like, mm-hmm. if there's caverns of things underneath Earth, we have no fucking clue. Like, and, I mean, we don't. <laughs> you and I don't. <laughs> we don't. Somebody might. Donald that, Trump probably does now. I love that all that of fucker. this came off of Alana's question of what is your arm routine. That's you what know? questions are for. That's Aliens. amazing. It makes me so happy. <laughs> I do an alien arm workout. Aliens. That's where this came from. <laughs> <laughs> I lift alien body parts. <laughs> for Jeff Bezos. So... <laughs> Out of the ocean. Jade had a question that I'm super curious to hear about too. And he Do wants you to know store pee in your balls. No, it was a serious <laughs> question, believe it or not. That's it a was great question too. Uh, wondering what your best and worst festival experiences were. Oh yeah. Um so the uh which one do you want to start with? Let's go Probably with the worst. Let's right? go with the worst. Yeah, okay, word. That one um so I don't know if we need to I won't name what it's called, but um it was <laughs> very very uh grassroots festival where it was more so like we're like ah we were not gonna get paid but we get to go play with a bunch of our friends um kind of setting up the lineup it's gonna be fun because we're just gonna go play music they're gonna have it all set up it's gonna be dope (laughs) so fun so we drive out there pretty far out eastern washington ish and it's not dope like they don't it's not set up well um and this was again like a great experience for our summer festival situation because this was like the to see what their standard of what they thought was okay and we we're already like whoa no like not okay where it gets to the point where rain clouds are coming in and the the stage doesn't have a tarp or anything over it, it doesn't have a top it has this you know great for the summer like a spandex type tarp mm, yeah. thing but it doesn't protect from rain. All the gear, all the speakers are right under it. Again, there's like the, the stage dude was nowhere to be found. I'm literally like calling it. Nope, that's rain clouds. This is my friend's gear. Get your gear in the truck. Like, so he packed up his gear. 10 minutes later, it's pouring. Also, our camping spots underneath these power lines. Oh, so we're like, what is going on? <laughs> and it was just, it was chaos after that. Like, 
you know, the whole, all their gear got ruined, all theirs, because we pulled ours. Because yeah, we're like, nope, smart. the rain's coming. And they didn't have any backup plan of like, let's have tarps ready or something. So it was this whole thing of like us being like, I, I this was the best part is I literally was going into it being like, I don't know if we're even going to play music, but I'm okay if we do. And everyone's like, yeah, the set's going to be great. And literally, I was like, I'm probably just going to play a, a phone set. And I did. I just ended up playing off my phone, like, on a Bluetooth speaker in the camp because... And, like, we got something else going, but it was just this whole, like, clusterfuck of... Is the, that festival still in operation? Haha. <laughs> yeah? I think so. Oh, I think wow. they invited us to do it. And I'm like, are you kidding me now? <laughs> like, yeah. no, thank you. They, they were going to pay it. Uh, not pay it. They were going to... Um, so the food was going to be hot dogs. And we didn't even get any hot dogs, man. Like... They pay you an exposure, dude. I mean, I got exposed to something, but it was not anything I wanted. So that was, I mean, that was going, pretty bad. Yeah. Not, I mean, yeah, not going too deep into it. It definitely was the worst of the worst and a little traumatic. Uh, <laughs> the um, the best. So is this like uh, me just going to it? Or? Either, either okay. or. So at this point, the last several years, we pretty much just work all the festivals we go to. But if there's something that was non-work related, just a festival you attended, I'm, I'm down for either. Awesome. Yeah. So I'd say the best experience would be this last Paradiso. It was the only one and the only time I'd been to the Gorge. And it was it was wild because it, it rained. And it was, I was only there for the, the oh, yeah, second we day. Went. Yeah, we oh, were it, 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 it came rained. down. It literally, everyone had to leave because there was <laughs> yeah. lightning warnings. But that was a super tiring weekend because I just played Lost with Rob on Friday night. Um, didn't sleep much on Saturday, drove up to do that with Jonathan. Um, and so super low on sleep, but had such a great time because like we were hanging out, got to hang out with Mark because he was playing it. Um, but just by chance, we were by the stage when they're like, all right, everyone out. And um, Jonathan's like, wait, I know. I know those people. Let's just go over there. So we went and got to go in a, an artist trailer with um, Moon Boots, Kidnap, um, Jonathan, Mark, uh, Alex Ferguson, a couple other people. And then so that was great because we just got to wait it out. And then once it kind of cleared, came outside. First person there is like Justin Martin. We're just like all hanging out. And then after that, like just the... The view was insane. Yeah. And I would say this is the only time I really appreciated trance music was like <laughs> going and seeing the, <laughs> seeing the view. Like, I don't hate on it. I just don't <laughs> listen to it. But this was the only time I was like, this makes sense. Yeah. Uh, because just looking over the gorge and seeing like the storm clouds have gone, you see the radio towers blinking in the distance and then just the trance like playing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, this is this is amazing. Uh, and then just, again, going into the night of just really cool experience of never being there before. And then just, I hadn't really been to a festival like that in a while. So it was cool to to kind of have a different perspective on it. And then, yeah, it was just, again, though, it was just, I didn't sleep for like 36 hours that whole time. It was nuts. Sounds but still worth best. It, though. Yeah, it, was, it, it was definitely worth it. Yeah, it was 100% worth it. Yeah, we'll see if I do that again. Nice. Yeah, we've had we've had some interesting experiences at Parody. So yeah, I, some some really good times for sure. I think there's only been one, maybe two Paradisos that I haven't been to mm. since the beginning. Yeah. Did you go to ID Fest before that? Mm -hmm. 
That was one of my favorite festivals of all time. They had that in Phoenix, and it was in a parking lot, so I was stuck. <laughs> it was super hot. Dude, it was so sick. It was pretty lights in, <laughs> in the Cascade, and that's oh, back that's when amazing. I was super into Cascade. Dude, yes. And oh, then, that reminds and then me. you add that gorge scenery in. Yeah. I saw Cascade uh, in Phoenix when Eyes came out, mm. that, and that was oh, so into it, too. Wasn't that around the same time? I'm pretty sure he played yeah. Eyes at Identity. Yeah, yeah it, it makes sense. I, I remember driving home in my car one time and eyes came on on the radio and I started crying. I have a particular <laughs> fondness to that song now. Yeah, it's we so good. played it in our wedding. Aw, that's very sweet. That's yeah. very... It's a great song. We, we had a very good music for our wedding, for Ca- sure. Dude, that uh, was also one of my craziest festival memories was I had been working USC for a long time doing artist transportation and uh, had made friends with one of the stage managers, Max. And we... So I was at, you're good. I was at a freak night and Cascade was playing freak night and they had a stage that was three stories tall. That you had to climb a fucking ladder to get up to. Damn. And I'm just back there just cause I just finished dropping off an artist and I see Max. He's like, dude, you want to go up there? I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> like, and normally like a lot of festival stages, like, uh, at the one at Paradiso at that, uh, stage you were talking about, um, there's a lot of people that are allowed kind of on stage or in a back kind of area. And so, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, cool. I'm, it's really fucking cool. I'm on stage. But there's also a lot of other people on stage. Yeah. I go up top and there's one guy up there manning all the fire. And then there's me, Max, and Cascade. Damn. And so I'm just standing up there looking out on this like third story, looking out on the entire Wamu event center just packed. Wow. And... Cascades of their DJ with no shoes on. Nice. <laughs> just straight barefoot. That's tight. Just like slaying it. And I remember that was just one of those moments that I was like, what the fuck? How did I get myself to yeah. where I am right now? Like, this is legit. And I remember talking to Max about it. And he's like, he's like, yeah, that's the reason I brought you up. Because I knew you'd be one of the few people that were like, holy shit, this is really cool. Yeah. And that you would stand in the back and you would totally respect everyone's space. That's tight. Yeah, because that's sometimes an issue when the super fans oh, get, sure. get in the wrong yeah. situation and they're like fanboying all over and you're like, okay. Not the time. Not okay. That was <laughs> not what was Pull time. your shit together. <laughs> that, was, that was great for me because I started off as a fanboy going to stuff like ID and uh, uh, what is it? EDC, EDC way back in the day. Yeah. Um, and so I was definitely a fanboy. And then doing the artist transportation, like I'm driving around all these big name artists all of the time. And so it, it just helped to be like, oh, wait, you're real another people. human being. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was, that's definitely um, really good to get to that point to be able to realize like, oh yeah, they're definitely just people too. And just treat them like people too. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you are super stoked, like, yeah. just tone down the stoke tone level. Tone it down a I little know. bit. I drove above and beyond, and the whole time I'm like shitting myself. While I'm don't driving. crash, don't crash. Because yeah. <laughs> like I've seen, I at this point I've seen them 25 times now. Like they're my all-time favorites. Um, and then we like finally get to the airport. They're just about to hop out, and I'm like, "Hey, got a question? Can you sign this for me real quick?" Yeah, that's <laughs> appropriate. Like, okay, that's tight. <laughs> You were cool the whole car ride, and now you just want a signature. All right, yeah. sure. They signed my passport. <laughs> yeah. I'm never, ever getting rid of that passport. Yeah. Um, I have a music-related question from Eugene. Fucking Gene. He pulls out the good questions. Do you remember Gene? Um, oh. From uh, APOG. Uh, one of my really good friends. Uh, him and Corbin were there a bunch. They were just, like, smoking dabs the entire time. <laughs> they just had their dab yeah. pieces, and they're just, like, always. Yes. And I mean, you might I, hear, like, a, a, a jangle of... <laughs> 
of metal sounds every once in a while. I, I mean, like, if I saw his face, yeah. Okay. Sure. So his question is, Will it's a two-parter. Um, will we have a return of Slow-Fi? Slow he was a big fan of Slow-Fi. He was. And was he tight. wants to know more information about your inspiration and journey with chill, down-tempo hip-hop beats. Well, um... Uh, what Slowfi was, I don't think it will come back mm-hmm. the way it was, specifically where it was, definitely not. Um, which is sad, but I also think it's unique to have an experience in a place that doesn't exist anymore, to kind of just have that as yours. Yeah, because um, you live streamed those too. That was true. like your friend zone mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, I, t- I took Eugene to one of them. He was yeah. like, "Dude, this is so fucking he cool. Loved nice. it. That's awesome." Yeah, yeah. and he, um, he came back like the next two times or yeah. so after that it was just such got a good a vibe and, yeah. dude it was such a good vibe i love that too although that was one of the busiest times of my life because it was <laughs> tuesday thursday friday saturday sometimes sunday and i worked 40 hours a week too Jesus. so it was, the tuesday was my busiest day because i'd wake up at like seven go to work and then right after work hustle to get to to buy the pound to do slow fi and then that was until two sometimes i wouldn't get home till three then again, the next morning I'm waking up for work. So it's like those were very taxing and learning to be like, oh, I can handle this. But um, also it was kind of nice to take a break and to have more sleep and time to like rest. Um, but back to the slow fi thing. Um, I So I was more so asked to help uh, curate that and, and play it every other week with uh, with the guests. But I think it would definitely tie into stuff that I listen to during the day. Like I don't always listen to electronic music that I would DJ during the day. Uh, it's way too much, but I think I listen to like a lot of classical, a lot of like hip hop, um, beats even not necessarily with lyrics and stuff like that. Uh, or future garage, like that kind of stuff. That's really vibey or liquid drone based. Um, and I've also, like I mentioned earlier, I also produced under an alias AE, which was uh, for ambient music. So that one had some kind of, some music actually played at SoFi. So I think it was probably a combination of just the right place, right time, uh, being asked to do something, and then also having that uh, that draw from even the Sade growing up. Like there was one of my favorite SoFi sets I played, I played three Sade songs. <laughs> and it's like, that was the vibe. Like I was mm-hmm. super into that. Um, so I think it was a combination of me growing up with that around me um, being in the right place to have the opportunity to play those sets. And then it also challenged me to like dig deeper into different types of music. And it made me feel more comfortable. And that was actually really fun because at APOG, the the next day when everyone was setting up, Rob pulled out my CDJs and we start like just randomly playing a slow-fi set basically for the whole camp because the sound guy goes and plugs us into the main <laughs> yeah. sound. We're just like, what's going on? This is tight. Um, but feeling <clears throat> feeling comfortable with that genre of music and the different mixing style is also really cool because it's, it's like the back-to-back thing where it's a whole different mixing style. You're not doing just beat matching. You might just like literally throw something in. You might loop it really quick or, you know, do different styles of transitions. Um, so yeah, slow fi. It was a good times, but uh, maybe there'll be something similar to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Gene's curious because I'm sure because <laughs> a I... lot of people are, dude. A lot yeah. of people are into it. So there's definitely a there's definitely a void for that right now. I think it just needs to be the right place with the right people. Um, but there's definitely a group of friends that are thinking about it consistently. So 
Yeah, I'm sure Gene would love to play one of them too. I was trying to get him to play one of them and to oh, reach yeah. out to you like right before it ended. Him and I just like did a he's he's always loved DJing and him and I used to go to shows together all the time and I guess still do. But he um he's into like super uh kind of li- a lot like Samaha. Um Got it. but S- Samaha has like an ethnic uh tribal. Yeah. Gene has more of like a I don't know, like a European, uh, like music, like he likes live instruments. Mm-hmm. It's like Samha loves a lot of live instruments, but it kind of goes into that more like ethnic tribal and Gene kind of has more like, I don't know, like a lot of circle type stuff. He's obsessed with gotcha. circle. And, yeah. um, I feel that. I've so been he, calling that stuff deep tech house lately. Yeah. <laughs> he likes deep tech house, but like the deeper, like we're talking yeah. like 95 to like 105 stuff, which is where Got like slow fi fits. And yeah, him yeah. and I had a side project that we DJed together a few times. Um, and so I'm always trying to get him to DJ more stuff and that's definitely his vibe. So Got if you it. ever get something going, I'll try to get him back in there. For sure. Anything else? That's it on the questions. All the questions we got, yeah. man. They were all relatively like actual questions. Usually it's a <laughs> shit show of questions. Like, hey, uh, would, if you had to pick, would you rather be a cat-sized dinosaur or 12 dinosaurs that look like a cat? Like It's just nonsense. So I That's a great have, question. I don't even know. <laughs> I literally don't even know what I just said. <laughs> I know exactly what you said. I'd rather be 12 uh, cat-sized dinosaurs for sure. Really? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> don't very, ask me why. That would be very cute. I would own one of those. Uh, are you an animal person then speaking of cats oh um, that goes back into me growing up so i grew up with like animals so it wasn't like a not a farm at all but like four dogs maybe five dogs at a time three cats three horses um so they didn't all die of heat stroke surprisingly not (laughs) no they were inside a lot no um (laughs) air conditioned dogs animals are crazy they can live in air conditioned horses (laughs) (laughs) we bring the horse inside during the day yeah exactly no um no, but that was like, it was a, it was again, great experience. And I just don't, I don't need that energy right now. Cause it was a lot, you know, it was a lot of, it's a lot of responsibility and to take care of something and be responsible for something other than yourself for sure. It is. But I think it's also just the, the so many different energies, like even the dogs, like some would fight together and you're like, what the hell you're like, why are you fighting? And like, to the point of like drawing blood and you're like, geez, this is crazy. And then the other dogs are just watching and barking and stuff. And you're like, this is nuts. Like, so it's like that kind of thing. It's like, I don't have the time or energy right now, but I'm not like anti-animals at yeah, all. Yeah, you could yeah. just get one. I wouldn't I, suggest five. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, like, but I don't even want, I couldn't, I couldn't yeah. have one right now. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, I'll, it's like, it's like babies. Like, I'll be like, oh, cute baby. All right, see ya. Like, mm-hmm. like cute dog. Yeah. Yeah. How see old are ya. you? <laughs> um, about to be 28 next month. Oh, I'm curious. By the time this airs, I'll probably yeah. <laughs> I'm curious how much that will change in the next three to five years. Because yeah. they always talk about like the female ticking clock, but I actually, I actually think men experience it too. There's just yeah, my shift. ovaries grew. His yeah, mine never formed. So sorry. Um, he's, they'll he's start to like, form. Dude, he's just like, wait. I want this. Is that what these feelings animal are? to take care of. I want this plant to take care of. He's yeah. like in this major nurturing. I need to take like, care of myself right now. That's yeah. the thing. Do you have any plants? Yeah, I feel. Like I mean, I, but it's just like I, I remember you having plants. No, well, I didn't. It was, it's a basic plant that you you can be like, oh shit, it's about to die. Water it. Like good. It's not. 
I don't know. I think it was just because last year too, it was just so busy. Like literally it was me going to work, me coming home, shoveling food in my mouth, going out and or going to work on music or mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so it was just kind of, it f- kind of felt eventually like surviving. Like you're just, you're doing everything you need to do. And it, it became a different kind of mentality than in a different appreciation for things. Like you didn't appreciate things or maybe artists that came into town cause you'd go out every week. Um, and then when I took a little bit of a break, it was nice to regain that love for those specific things. Uh, and I think that's necessary with anything that even happened with in my production career. Um, when I had lived over in East, Eastern Washington for a little bit for like eight months, I had where there wasn't like a scene out there and I was just working and I just didn't give up on DJing, but it was more so just, I broke away from everything that I had in Tucson because it was it wasn't like a growing scene it wasn't really for the kind of music I was making it was more drum and bass or bass heavy and even then it was small so what I ended up doing was actually I wrote like a list down of everything that I would forgive myself for because you know you have these things in your head of oh what if what if I went to NAU like I had planned and maybe I wouldn't have had this car accident happen or this situation or you know all these things that you can just like rock in your brain I decided to write it down and forgive myself. Hmm. I forgive myself for not going. I forgive myself for feeling this way or doing this thing. And just even that, mentally writing it out, um, kind of released certain things so that I could, uh, in a fresh way, fall in love with them again. And that's when I started, like, I think the next week I saw Richie Hot in that queue. And I was like, oh, shit, this scene is, there's actually stuff going on. And then I, like, really got back into it. Uh, but it, it, I feel like that was super vital for me. It, I had to die a little bit in that form to then be reborn and like feel more appreciative of where I was going to go next. I love how many yogis we end up getting in this room. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe yoga has anything to do with fucking down dogs or warrior poses. It's definitely like a philosophy and a way of mm-hmm. life and a way of being. And yeah, a lot of what you just spoke to really resonated in that way with me. Yeah, I like to think that way, at least. Mm-hmm. You mentioned positive. a car accident and rebirth. Were you in a gnarly car accident then that almost killed you? Oh, I mean, yeah, but it wasn't <laughs> that wasn't directly tied to the reborn yeah. thing. That was more like the forgiving myself stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I think just the that just tied into like maybe this wouldn't have happened if I didn't do this or if yeah. I would have done that. It's like mm-hmm. but you are where you are right now you can't change anything that happened in the past. And this is something that I had comes to terms with where you, you have choices when something happens, you react to it. And there's like the way I see it, there's two things you can deal with it or don't worry about it. Cause there's nothing you can do about it. And if it's the, don't worry about it, literally drop it because you're going to waste energy just being like the DJ thing of like, Oh man, if I just would have done that mix different or whatever, you're wasting energy. And this is actually something I thought of maybe just last month of not people focusing too much on, you know, time. You know, people are saying time is money. Time is this. All we have is time. I actually think it's energy. Like mm-hmm. we actually just have energy to to give. Mm-hmm. And it can go into a negative or a positive space. Or it can be wasted by, you know, scrolling forever. That kind of stuff. And it can be really easy to get tied into the negative aspect, especially when you get used to it. And I noticed this a lot too with previous friend groups where 
the way they would communicate is in a negative way. They would mm-hmm. only know how to complain about people. Yeah. Or the negative thing instead of being like, oh my God, this is beautiful or this is really fun or funny. It would, and that would just become normal. Mm-hmm. And it, it didn't seem like you're consciously thinking, let me be negative. Mm-hmm. But it was easier and more accessible to stoop to that energy level instead of like recalibrating how you work Mm -hmm. uh but with the energy thing it was that where it's you can you know have something happen and either waste your energy dwelling on something that you can't change something that has already happened or you can react to it in a positive way and either learn something from it or try to fix whatever it is or one of my favorite mantras is your past has no power over this moment because I have a very challenging past and it's really easy for it to come and take control over what I'm experiencing. But I just kind of keep that in my mind that it is what it is. It doesn't have power over this. I have power over this moment and that's what's important and not getting tied up in what you think. Yeah. Well, I think even beyond that too, it's the, I think it's important to still, I'm as you probably also think, the past still defines who you are now, but you shouldn't hold on to that as being who you are. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things too, where I grew up very, uh, you know, shy and introverted. And I even had this moment um, years ago, no, a year ago, uh, where it felt like I had this like almost out of body experience where I was being very outgoing and talkative. And I felt this weird, um, like I wasn't myself or like, who is this person kind of thing? I was like, I was watching myself from above. And then it kind of clicked where I'm like, no, this, this is me. Cause I was trying to think of you're shy, you're this, mm-hmm. who I thought I was, who I was maybe in the past. And then it turned to me accepting, no, I am who I am right now. And I can be outgoing. I can speak and feel confident in myself. And it just was literally just like a mindset change mm-hmm. that really helped uh, go from that holding on to the past of even not even things that have happened, but how I think I am, how people, how I think people might see me instead of how I see myself and how I want people to see me. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. One more question. Uh, we're definitely both fans of tattoos, but we are always talking about wanting to get more tattoos and you have a pretty large tattoo. Uh, across your chest is there a significant meaning behind that you know what no um but it did become a meaning that was one of the weird things it's like three i think three years after i got it i was thinking about it more and i was just kind of drawn to it originally Mm -hmm. and i thought it was pretty cool and then when i thought more about it it uh kind of gained a meaning where it's basically two skulls with like an eye in the middle and then like wings coming out from where the mind is um, in the skulls. So it was almost just like, I don't know exactly how, like how I felt about it in that moment, but it was, it gained a meaning of, um, maybe I, I can't even remember exactly what I thought, but it was more so like you, your mind is free or something like that when, I don't know, (laughs) I don't know exactly, but it did gain a meaning at the time. Yeah. It's funny how things start to create meaning over time. that's different than you had originally anticipated. Right. Kind of like you said, uh, an album at the right time yeah, has the right level of meaning or emotion attached to it. That- and w- with that too, that's one of the things too with even my own music. Like 
and I'm sure a lot of other uh, people that create things, and even if it's not music, like painting, um, looking back on it can remind them of that time in their life where there's certain albums of other artists or even my own where I'll listen to it and I'll feel exactly how I felt in that time. Like it'll literally pull me back to whatever I was dealing with, whatever I was excited about. And those kind of moments are, are I think, are so beyond what we can understand. So it's really cool to try to make that happen for other people with music too. Mm -hmm. And again, I hope that can happen someday. You will. You will. Do you mind if I have one more question? I was, I was expecting oh. you to have that, <laughs> that last one. Okay. So um, this is actually a question that I started asking people that we have in this room that are music related because my teenagers are, they love music and they're the first like to fight for the ox cord in the car or in the house. Like they just love music, all different types, but they have pretty much convinced me that there are four key categories that every song fits into. Now these four key categories can have subcategories, but they're pretty convinced that no matter what song that I play for them, they can put it in one of these four categories. So I'm curious your opinion. They are banger, bop, anthem, and vibe. I don't know what bop is, but I'm pretty familiar with the other three. So bop would be like Call Me Maybe or like a kind of boppy song, okay. right? Um, and it was funny because when I first asked Darius this, he like immediately was like, no, 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 no. And then we started to like throw out songs and he was like, Damn. Damn. That's a bopper. (laughs) (laughs) No, I definitely do think uh, that's very close. I think people's terminology for what those categories are might change. Right. But I think, yeah, I think definitely there's the moods of music that things can fit into like that. Right. And they're, they're, you know, 16 and almost 20. And I guess now we kind of have four, not just two. But anyway, all four of them are, they use the terminology so often now that it's just like ingrained. And even when it'll be just the two of us, the song will come on and Jordan will be like, damn, that's a, that's a vibe. And I'm like, oh, see, it's even rubbed up on you. No, actually though, I, I, and I'll even categorize music a little bit like that. Not necessarily bopper or (laughs) <laughs> but but I'll think of it as like this is would be an anthem of mm-hmm. like yeah I feel that energy for cool. sure. Cool, nice. yeah. I'm fuck, gonna relay that to them. They'll be very excited. Doinkers, <laughs> <laughs> bonkies, you know. Uh, I thought you were gonna ask a billboard question. Oh, go no. for it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, if you could construct a billboard in a prominent place where lots of people got to see it every day when they're sitting in their boring ass morning commute and you could put on it whatever you'd like. It could be one word, a sentence, a mantra, a phrase, maybe even a picture. What would you share with the world? Um, that's, that's a lot of, it uh, is a lot. that's like two questions. <laughs> and then beyond that, um, <laughs> Can I start with a story? Please. Sure, we love stories. Well, it's a mini. It's a mini. It's not a whole story. That's the but, point of these questions: okay. is to get stories. Cool. So, uh, speaking of signs, uh, it wasn't a billboard, but it was one of those emergency signs that like just will light up something. Um, and this was at the base of Mount Lemmon in Tucson, which is like up this big mountain that goes up to like crazy high elevation. And when it snows up there, they'll have the sign say stuff. Anyway, I had a friend at the time who figured out how to hack one of those things. Nice. And he made it say, warning, zombies ahead. 
<laughs> and then like took a picture and I was just like thinking like damn that'd be so ridiculous to drive by and see that and be like honey what was that what <laughs> turn around like that kind of and then yeah then so they, you want to <laughs> put a sign in a prominent area that says warning zombies ahead that's why I asked if I can start with a story because yeah. that's not what I would say oh, but okay. I thought that was a funny story <laughs> Um, you know you would do that first and then you'd uh, erase it and put something else. You know what? That's such a deep question. I can't <laughs> I can't hit that one. Okay. Um, That's okay. You can get back to me on it. Yeah. yeah. You can get back to us in the show yeah. notes. Uh, one of my favorite ones that I was just thinking about today because I was struggling was uh, that Alex Rayburn quote, uh, life is hard, be nice to people. Yeah. Yeah. Just no, everybody's think- going through shit. Exactly. That's one of those things, too, is like it's not even just day to day where, you know, someone might be shitty to you and it's Mm -hmm. maybe because they just lost someone in their life or like they just had a shitty day. Beyond that, like you don't know what their struggles have been, too. Mm -hmm. And you don't know how hard it's been. Like, I think everyone is on Earth struggling and we just need to kind of help each other empathize to know that we're all going through shit. It's all different shit. And this actually is I saw this one image a couple of years ago of two kids just crying like wailing one of them was in america because his mom took away call of duty his video game the other one was because his family was just killed in a building but they were having the same emotion yeah and that was kind of eye-opening to me because for one that's crazy that one can be reacting that way to a video game but on the flip side just how emotions can be tied into things that don't have the same meanings to everyone Mm -hmm. and it can change your whole you know trajectory of life and but but the the point being that everyone is going through stuff well and there's layers to that so it's really easy to go oh that spoiled kid got his video game taken away but is it because the video game has been his parent and his only interaction with other people or things right because his parents are too busy or his parents are uninvolved or he doesn't have any siblings or he gets teased at school and doesn't have friends like it's super easy to judge something on that superficial level but the emotion is still the same regardless of why it's happening when somebody is hurting and to the point that they're upset i think everybody just deserves to have love right and i think people need to understand like that it's it's all different for everyone Mm -hmm. and you know your your thing that you're upset about or someone might be you think is not important that they're really thinking is important you have different perspectives you're going through different things in different times and i think it's really crazy that we're all here at the same time where we're all evolving and you're not the same person that you were 10 15 years ago so everyone is on earth moving around in the same ecosystem somehow making it work when everyone's hurting and they're all just trying to make it work all everyone's trying to be an adult and it's it's like it's scary but it's kind of it's great to find people that you can connect with and understand that genuine loving connections are still there and you can find them in strangers even if it's just a smile or just helping someone you Mm -hmm. know um but yeah it's all hard but good that's your that's your billboard it's all hard, but good. And then they have like a thumbs up <laughs> and like a winky face. You know what I mean? And that yeah. would be like, uh, 
It would be on the highway turn that's right by Lovers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm talking. Yeah. I-5. You know exactly where I'm talking. It's clap. all hard but good. Okay, I got my <laughs> banner. There it is. Nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for making the trek out here. I know it's not easy and... I really Thanks appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. We made yeah. it work. Yeah. Okay, we made a nice combination of rides. Good. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me out. Yeah. Well, let's good do it chat. again. We'll yeah. do it again for sure. For All sure. Right. Sweet. Thanks. All right. Bye, everybody. All right. Over and out. Thanks for listening to the Gravity Lift Podcast with Jordan and Antonella. If you like our show and want to find more, check out our website at gravitylift.space. And when you get a sec, please rate and review us on iTunes to help us spread these vibes far and wide.